Since 1995, Alabama's sports talk leader, Tiger Communications, proudly presents Sports Call. It's time to join our Sports Call crew as they discuss the latest headlines and happenings around Auburn and the entire sports world. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We're taking phone calls all show long and want to talk about whatever you've got on your mind. And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Welcome, Auburn, into the Tuesday edition of Sports Call Live on Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm, and the Tiger Communications app. My name is Ryan LaVoy, the host of this show. Today I've got Brooks Childress and Tom Peavy with me for the full three hours as we have uh, more Auburn football to talk about as we continue to review Auburn and Mississippi State from Saturday. We'll have Justin Ferguson on at 3.30 of the Auburn Observer to give us his thoughts on how the Tigers looked on Saturday, and then also just all the uh, all the other news and notes, and also get a little bit uh, of talk into basketball as Auburn basketball is now one week away from the opener against Baylor next Tuesday in, in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. So uh, a little bit later this week, we'll have a more comprehensive preview uh, for sure, but uh, starting to get into a little bit of basketball talk too. Uh, as Auburn's season is coming very close. They also got an exhibition tomorrow night uh, inside of Neville Arena. So Auburn basketball getting getting close. So we'll talk with Fur about all those items. Again, more football, uh, more SEC football, college football as a whole, maybe a little NFL, all the good stuff, maybe a little World Series. A lot we could hit on here on this Tuesday edition of the program. And, of course, we want to hear from you on the Orthopedic Clinic phone line at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free, 1-888-9-TIGER-9. Ryan, Brooks, and Tom with you here on this Tuesday. Start with you, Brooks. How are you this afternoon? I, happy Halloween. Oh, happy Halloween. Uh, I am doing great. Uh, it is a spooky day of the year. Um, and it's uh it's it's gonna be a, a great show. I feel like uh, talking a lot of uh, college football and such, and can't wait for uh, to to talk about all that. We've been watching some uh, some Halloween movies in the in the office today, or had them on uh, at least here in the office, and so we're in the the spooky season uh, mood. Uh, did not I, I dressed up as a sports call host today. I, I didn't go too deep in my costume this year, but uh, we'll maybe we'll try again next year. But can't wait to uh, to dive into this show. Can't wait to talk to all of our callers. And uh, I'll tell you what, I can't wait to get off of work because uh, then I get to go trick or treating at my own house where I have lots of candy already stored. Uh, yeah, and you know, with it being Halloween, I do think at some point today that will evoke a Halloween candy discussion. Uh, you got to have one of those. I like each candy and every corn. Halloween. So uh, you like you hate candy? <laughs> no, corn? I you like, like candy, candy corn. I, okay. I am one of those. Okay, we'll have more comprehensive thoughts a little bit later on candy corn then. Uh, Tom Peavy, how hey. are you this afternoon? I'm good and happy Halloween. I, I look like I'm in a costume, but this is not a costume. This is actually uh, what I wear at the fire station. So uh, I, I'm not. For the listener, I'm not in like full bunker gear, but I am in what we call blues. So uh, doing work around the fire station, getting ready for our big chili dinner coming up on the ninth, and running around town getting stuff ready for that. But 
Um, yeah. By the way, uh, ha- you know, like I said, happy Halloween. Everybody, please be safe out there tonight. Uh, all the kids, make sure you're taking all of the precautions that you're doing out there for uh, for the kiddos on Halloween. So, uh, but yeah, a lot of stuff to get into with uh, with sports. A lot to talk about more with Auburn NFL. Uh, you mentioned the World Series. Uh, I don't know if we're necessarily going to dive into Dabo Sweeney necessarily, but there's been the whole craziness with Dabo Sweeney and him losing his mind. So, yeah, a lot of stuff to talk about. Yeah, I could bring that up. I think I'm going to have a different opinion mm-hmm. on that. Um, I understand it 100%. Yeah. I'm with him. But we could we get into that a little bit too uh, later. Uh, there's also, So there's a lot of little things we can hit on. Uh, Brooks, want to get your opinion, though, on uh, the treat that we saw inside of Jordan Hare Stadium on Saturday. Uh, no tricks for the Tigers as they were able to defeat Mississippi State 27-13. to um, A lot of good things, for sure. First conference win, uh, kind of a little bit, I didn't mention this in the show, a little bit of irony that uh, Hugh Freeze's first SEC win at Auburn is against the team that would have been the most important victory at his former SEC employer. Uh, beating Mississippi State. Obviously, that is not the case here, but uh, while at Ole Miss, the Egg Bowl was of great importance, so it was kind of a little bit uh, appropriate in that regard that was against Mississippi State. Obviously, would have loved for it to come sooner in the year, but uh, not shocking that it didn't. So what were all your takeaways from Auburn and Mississippi State? Uh, So, you know, inside Jordan Hare Stadium, me and and you were there uh, on Saturday. It It was good. Um, you know, I, I know a lot of people, you know, want to, you know, we're, we're talking after the game about the play calling in the second half and such. And, you know, he freeze was even asked about it yesterday and he got pretty, uh, he got a little animated about it. And that, that clip's been making the rounds. You know, I, I, I agree with, with, you know, the, the second half play calling there, you, you gotta be, you're, you're not going to go out there and, you know, some of the positions that they were put in, uh, you know, I, I think that it was it was fine. I, I think that you, you saw, you know, two-score lead. You were fine uh, not being as aggressive in some of those situations. I would have liked a little more aggressiveness, uh, but I, I don't I'm, – I'm not mad at it. I'm, I know, you know, you know the situation everything. I did like, you know, you, you put uh, – you, you committed to Peyton Thorne uh, and you, you rolled with it. Now, there wasn't really – I don't think there was really a moment where you said, oh, this could be a spot where they put Robbie after, you know, Peyton does something wrong and, all right, let's see if Robbie comes out. I didn't feel like there was a, a moment there during the game on Saturday that that was kind of crept in your mind where it's like, oh, Peyton did that, or I guess Robbie's going to come out. Uh, but the the fact that they they stuck with the quarterback and were committed to to Peyton for the majority of that game, I thought was really good. That, I think that's something that a lot of people have been asking for here uh, over the last uh, over over the most of the season, really. But um, other than that, I thought it was a good performance. Uh, granted, it was against Mississippi State, uh, but you know you, you look at them, you you look at the Mississippi State team. They've got some talent on their roster. Uh, it is uh, their their defense specifically is is a pretty uh, a, is is not horrible. It's a it's a defense that is you know that has some the strong points to it. I think that would be the more the the more positive side of Mississippi State rather than their offense. You were playing against a Mississippi State team without their starting uh, quarterback or their starting running back uh, out there, so you take that with what you will. But the thing is, is you were favoring that game. You went out there. 
and you took care of business. And that's the most important thing, at, at, especially at this point in the season when you're trying to just make, you know, you're trying to make a bowl game here this year uh, and try to meet and just, you know, kind of meet expectations for this first year of Hugh Freeze. You, you took care of business. And these next three weeks, you got Vanderbilt, you got Arkansas, and you've got uh, New Mexico State before you hit that Iron Bowl. Uh, I think that should be the, the key here is to is, is to just take care of business. Uh, you're you're favored this weekend. You're probably going to be favored against Arkansas. You're definitely going to be favored against uh, New Mexico State. Just take care of business. Uh, get yourself to that that bowl game. And uh, I, I think that this past weekend was a good starting point. Yeah, I think that it was so important for Thorne to again close those drives early in the game. And again, I. I I don't know for a fact. I, I still would have been curious if that first drive had actually gotten into the red zone because it was thrown just outside the red zone. If they had gotten closer, if they had gone to the Astrid package or if the longer touchdowns kind of uh, enabled them to not make, you know, prevent them from themselves in a, in a sense and not put in that package. And then once you complete a couple of those drives with the long passes to Hooks and then to Johnson. The second drive, you know, I think that you kind of realize there was a rhythm there that you weren't going to, to mess with. Uh, so in that instance, it's possible they kind of saved it saved them from themselves. Uh, we only saw Astrid a couple of times, and look again. I I tell you, once we saw the whole thing, I, I'm I'm I don't need to see the package anymore. Don't don't care about it. Uh, Peyton Thorne has, uh, even though he's. Yes, not as athletic as Robbie Ashford. He's been good enough. I mean, he he is not he, he he has exceeded my expectations from a running standpoint. Now, obviously, this is the first time we've seen him throw the ball up to the expectations that we had for him. But uh, it, the closer he is to Ashford as a runner, which again I concede he's still not there, but the closer he is, the the less of advantage it is to have Ashford in there to run a run package, and the less you know meaningful it. I mean, the less meaningful difference there is. It just it doesn't warrant it. And we've seen now that Thorne can have success. And look, I don't even think that he was bad or anything. He did anything wrong in the fourth quarter. You talked about the play calling aspect of it, and of course the conservative nature of it, but. I thought that ultimately he, when he was asked to do something, did it well. You know, they had a third and seven that they got six on because the route was a yard short. Uh, they completed a third down pass that was called back. I think he was five of six for 38 yards. Nothing wrong was wrong with, with his performance in the second half. They just were a yard short, play call short there, trying to move the chains late. Yeah, I mean, it was – I think that, you know, you, you – you look at it, and I, I agree. I, I think that uh, I think you can. You saw the the point here where Peyton Thorne can be the guy that runs this offense, where you, you don't need to see Robbie Asher. Now, do I think we'll see the Robbie Asher package the rest of the year? Yeah, we're going to see it a little bit more because uh, I think that they that's something that you know they that Hugh Freeze has talked about all year long. Um, Hugh Freeze has talked about using uh, Robbie Asher in that package all year long, no matter any of the any of the. Um, uh, conversations that have been had, any questions that have been asked, uh, he's talked about it. I think we're still going to see it a little bit, but I, I agree. I think that Peyton Thorne was a guy uh, you saw this weekend that he is he can, uh, when put in the right situations, can lead this offense to to full. 
I, I, I don't want to see it anymore. I, I, I know you said we might and maybe we will, but I I just don't I don't know if there's a need for it at, at this point again. They've Thorne can do enough with the legs and I think it's very rhythm breaking. I think it's clearly something that uh, broke his rhythm earlier in the, the season and I, I just I, I again I'm past the point of, of wanting to see it even even if we're a player too and look that the person that said a couple weeks ago that I wanted to see Asher run the whole offense and that was the move but at this point uh, again I, at that point still I was either quarterback just let's see them get a rhythm and now that it's thorn I, again, I don't want anything to disrupt that rhythm. 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free, one tiger 9 to join us on the Orthopedic Clinic phone line today. First up on the show, Anthony from Auburn. Anthony is with us. Anthony, how are you this afternoon? Doing good this afternoon. You guys? Doing well. Man, I tell you, I've looked all on social media and listened to some of the different various talk shows and everybody's singing the praises of Peyton Thorne. I, I tell you, you know, two weeks, three weeks ago, that guy was in the toilet somewhere, way on down south of the border somewhere. You couldn't even find him. Now everybody's celebrating him. I, you know, I don't think – I'm not sold on one game. I've been watching him uh, all season. That one game's not going to sell me on him or, or that offense. Uh, we're going to see what happens the remainder of the season. But, uh, you know, I still believe at the end of the year, I'd be looking for me a, a veteran quarterback or somewhere out of a junior college or, or – or somebody coming through that portal from another school that's ready to go, just couldn't quite fit in there because it's just too much depth and didn't, uh, didn't want to wait the time to play. Like you've seen some of the quarterbacks have transferred, like uh, uh, Tua's brother that transferred and some other people. Well-talented, can help you win, can get you the bowl games, but just can't, uh, just don't have the mental toughness just to sit it out and wait their turn. So I, I think that's going to be the route to go. Go in that portal and find somebody. I don't think Peyton Thorne is going to be the guy that's going to help you do anything next year. Well, maybe not, and that's also not what we're saying here. We're saying that he finally played a really good game and that he's earned the opportunity to get all the reps and not play around with a a two-quarterback rotating system here. I mean, again, yeah, I don't think that one game means that he's now all of a sudden an elite quarterback or anything of the sort, but we did see for the first time a real – a solid performance that was game-winning worthy and that did not have, contain many errors. And that's something that Robbie Ashford's not been able to provide. And that's something that when both these quarterbacks have rotated, you did not see any sort of positive sequence out of these guys really at all in Power 5 competition. So I do think there's value in sticking to one guy. And, yeah, that does not promise success in all these games moving forward, but it is the first real success that they've had at the quarterback position in the Power 5 play, and I do think that that should be commended for the play, particularly on Saturday. Well, let's go ahead and uh, look at this thing the way it needs to be looked at. Now, think about it. Now, Mississippi State is probably three to four times worse than what Auburn is. Uh, they came in half-cocked, if you will, the, did not have a starting quarterback or nor running back, and I think that made all the difference because that game would have been a whole lot uh, different. But, uh, I mean, that's just what it is. Uh, you know, the game's been played, Auburn won. But, like I said, when you look at the opposition, uh, I just ain't going to be sold on that. I mean, anybody can look good when you ain't got no heat on you. But he will face a defense later on in the season. It's going to put all the heat on him that he wants. And we'll see then, will, will Peyton Thorne stand up? Or we'll have those uh, bloppers, bloopers, or follies that HBO used to show with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and some of those teams back in the 80s. I don't know you guys might not have been around in the 80s, but – HBO used to have it, uh, NFL, uh, whatever they call it, some kind of NFL show, and they showed all the bloopers and follies a lot. 
So we'll see. I, I'm thinking that's coming on late on down a, uh, a few weeks to come. But we'll see what Arkansas does. That's going to be interesting. Arkansas played pretty good with Alabama for a minute or two. But uh, we'll see uh, when they, you know, got Vandy coming up. I'm not going to sell Vandy short because Vandy playing at home for one thing. So you'll you know, sell Mississippi be- State short, but you won't sell Vandy short. I'm not going to sell Vandy short because uh, here's the okay. thing. Auburn, ain't, Auburn has not beaten Vandy in Nashville in, in, a, in a minute. I think James Franklin had a nice little winning record over Auburn uh, or whatnot. And the last time, uh, two times they played in Nashville, I think Van has been the winner, if I'm not mistaken. Is that is that correct or I'm wrong? Or? Yes, 2008-2012. Okay, well, hey, you're looking at 2008-2012, Van was the winner that time. And I think with James Franklin, the man, uh, calling the shots at that time? Uh, at least one of those years. I don't think both. Or who would call it the other time? Mason or somebody? Or? Uh, I think 12 would have been Franklin. 08 might have still been. Uh, I don't know if it was still Bobby Johnson or, or who it was. No, in I, don't, I don't think Bobby Johnson pulled off nothing like that. But uh might have been Franklin both times. But either way, uh, I'm going to go with Vandy. I've seen them play some. Uh, they've looked good on offense, able to move the ball or whatnot. And they're going to be at home, and they're going to be fired up and ready for this game. Uh you just never know. Vandy uh, get in some kind of rhythms and score some points and, and not get behind. You know, we know Auburn's got a, a halfway decent running game, but really the passing game ain't there. I, I mean, did. I did confirm it was in 2008. It was Bobby Johnson. Okay. Okay. Well, Bobby got it that time, and uh, 12 was Franklin. Franklin. Yeah. And Franklin got it in 12 or whatnot. But uh, we gonna see what happens. I'm, I'm gonna go with Vandy on this thing. Yeah, I'm gonna say Vandy. I ain't gonna predict no score. I'm just gonna say Vandy gonna win. I'm gonna go with Vandy. I would like to see them win. They need a win bad. It'll certainly help the morale. Uh, but like I said, since Auburn has not won up there since that period of time, uh, maybe Vandy might uh, go ahead and pull the thing off because uh, Vandy scored about 20 points on the Georgia defense, did they not? Uh, so did Auburn. Yes. Yes. Yeah, so did Auburn. So. Uh, We'll see. Maybe Vanden might uh, mess around and pull that thing off and and or whatnot. But we'll we'll see what they put on the field. What kind of scheme? What kind of game plan they have? Uh, if they can confuse uh, Peyton Thorne or whatnot, maybe make him a mistake or two. Uh, throw the ball before he's ready. Or uh, misread the defense and check off into something he ain't got no business checking off into and or whatnot and cause some problems. We'll see what happens. But it's gonna what time to kick off? Three o'clock. Okay, it's going to be a dandy. Then I'll just be getting up then. I'll, I'll be right on time. We'll watch and see what happens. But, yes, guys, I tell you, I just wouldn't get too excited right now. I mean, I know Peyton Thorne looked pretty good or whatnot, but I, I might wait a little while long before I uh, start singing the praises of them. But we'll see what happens. Yeah, again, I, I'm not saying I'm not promising future success. I'm just simply saying it was a good game. That uh, That's the first time Auburn's looked like that in Power 5 competition. Yes, you could say Mississippi State is not – Good competition, neither is Cal. And Auburn's quarterbacks did not look any good in that game. And, uh, you know, even LSU's defense, from a perspective, obviously LSU's a better football team than Mississippi State, but LSU's defense has been very poor this year, and Auburn did not uh, did not do anything against LSU's defense. So, again, that was still a marked improvement on what we've seen against other poor defenses this year. Speaking of Robbie Ashford, how much uh, eligibility he got left? Still got a couple After years, at least two years, if not three. Yep. I heard, I heard he was close to graduating. He had been buckling down in that classroom, was really approaching that real closely. Uh, y'all have an idea how close he was graduating? Or? Uh, he certainly could be. I mean, this is his third year in college. He had one year at Oregon. Now this is his second year at Auburn, and those guys do have to take uh, a lot of classes, and, and they, they do usually have to take summer classes too. So, I mean, it, it's possible, but I'm not aware of the particulars on that. And he did get a COVID year too, didn't he? 
Uh, yeah, that's why he's still got, uh, like I said, at least two more years. Okay, I was I was hearing some chatter, some noise that he very well may transfer after the season or whatnot. Uh, right. Get in that portal and go somewhere else is what I have been hearing in different places. But, I mean, I just people talking. Sure. And they were saying that he was close to graduating and may very well graduate in the spring or summer or something uh, or whatnot. Hello? Yeah. Yeah, we're yeah. yeah. So I, yeah so I, was, so I was wondering. And then they were saying it was another guy, another quarterback on the team that may very well go to uh, that might not stick around, that might hit the portal. Yeah, I don't know if that would be Holden Gardner or uh, you know Hank Brown just got here. He's a three-star recruit. But uh, anytime quarterbacks don't play, they're going to get disgruntled pretty quickly. So it's not incredibly far-fetched. But again, I I don't know of any of that uh, just yet. You know, I tell you one other thing. I saw I think two of the Auburn offensive linemen would they get what Player of the Week or got some kind of special recognition this week? Or, yes. And I saw a defensive player up for the Jim Thorpe Award, one of the semifinalists. Yeah, Jalen Simpson. Yep. Oh man, and ain't that something? <laughs> we'll see how that all works out. But, yeah, uh, yeah. Then one of their linemen was uh, co- uh, freshman <laughs> of the week, and then one of them was co-lineman of the week. Yep. Well, I tell you, that's something. Considering how this season's gone so far, I mean, that's some bright news for sure, and everything. Uh, I guess we uh, enter into November uh, tomorrow, so we're a month away from our early signing period, right? Yes, yes, in the month of December. Yep. So we'll see uh, what he locks down at that time. That's going to be uh, the first week of December or the second week? Or what week is that? You guys know? Uh, I believe it has, it's like the second week of December. I want to say around the 14th. I'm going to double check. But uh, I, it's not exactly the first day or anything of um, December. It is, I'm not seeing December 20th. December 20th. So into the third week of December, yep. Oh, man, just five days before Christmas. We'll see what kind of Christmas package uh, uh Auburn lands in, I tell you, we'll see. Everybody want to know. But, guys, I appreciate it. I'm not going to hold you up. I uh, will talk to you all later in the week. Yes, sir. We appreciate the phone right. call, Anthony. Happy Halloween. Thanks. All right. Same to you That is uh, Anthony Collin from Auburn joining us on the Orthopedic Clinic phone line, and that will take us to our first break of the program today. As on the other side of this break, Justin Ferguson of the Auburn Observer will join us. He'll talk about the Auburn-Mississippi State game, what it means for the rest of the season, and we'll talk a little Auburn basketball with Ferg. You're listening to the Halloween edition of Sports Call here on Tiger 2010 Welcome back to this Halloween edition of Sports Call, Tiger 95.9. Some of the songs require you to think about what the song is to be Halloween. Uh-huh. Like the one going to break was I Want Candy. Right. This one, Hungry Like a Wolf. Yeah. And, uh, you, hey, you're in charge of that. I, 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 I'm I, going to be surprised every single time. So we uh, 
definitely got well, the, the music going today. Hopefully, the very the, at least somewhere in there is uh, from Nightmare Before Christmas. This is Halloween. Oh, maybe, maybe so. I mean, we got a full three hours to find uh, out. I mean, come uh, on. Uh, but now we go back to the orthopedic clinic phone line. We welcome on Justin Ferguson of the Auburn Observer. Ferg, what's your favorite Halloween candy? Uh, I think it would be, probably be like the the Reese's that I guess this time of year they're pumpkins. Um, yes. You know, the, the, the shaved Reese's, the seasonal Reese's, for some reason I think are better than the regular cups. Um, and, yeah, the, the pumpkins at this time of year are always a good one. Excellent choice. Yeah, we're definitely going to be uh, having a, a little bit of a elongated chat on candy later in the show because, you know, sports things here on this Halloween. But uh, let's uh, let's get into a little Auburn stuff, Ferg. Obviously a much more positive tune after Auburn's first SEC win of the year. Obviously, it kind of night and day with first and second half, but let's start with the first half. I mean, just what did you see out of Peyton Thorne in that offense? Yeah, I mean, Auburn uh, did what they said they were going to do in this game and, and took advantage of the fact that they were playing a Mississippi State team that struggles uh, with teams throwing against them, getting out in space, um, you know, making plays that way. Uh, Auburn looked excellent on that side of the ball. And, you know, you're really the first – half of the season, a little over half of the season, when Auburn went through that stretch where they played you know, really tough teams right in a row, Auburn wanted to shorten the game. They wanted to run run the ball, work the clock more, um, not go up-tempo, help out their defense. I, I understand it, um, you know, even though there were times where it looked like Auburn was better playing at tempo. This Mississippi State game, though, you know, there was no reason for them not to do do that. There was no reason for them not to go in that direction, and uh, they did, and and put up some some big points. You know, this is again, we've we've talked about it with this Auburn offense. They don't have to, you know, light up the scoreboard and become this incredible offense for them to win these games down the stretch. They just had to be better. And on Saturday against Mississippi State, they were better. Um, you know, thought Auburn did a good job of getting their playmakers out in space, finding creative ways to get them the ball in their hands. And Peyton Thorne played with a ton of confidence. So, like he trusted his receivers, trusted his protection. It was a really good game for the offensive line in terms of uh, pass pro, probably their best all year. Not giving up a sack to a Mississippi State team that's really what they're really good at uh, was a great sign. So, I mean, this is kind of a, a tone setter for what could be coming up down the stretch. Um, you look at, you know, Auburn's got games coming up against uh, Vanderbilt, who has struggled, um, you know, obviously this season. Arkansas, who knows what they're going to look like in a couple of weeks uh, when Auburn comes uh, to, to Fayetteville. Um, and then you got a game against New Mexico State before the Iron Bowl. So this is a potential for them to get on a streak here, get on a roll. And I think Peyton Thorne, this was the quarterback, this was the offense that Auburn fans were expecting at the start of the year. Justin, you know, you, you talk about protecting uh, Peyton Thorne the best that they have so far this year. Uh, talk about that offensive line play, and specifically talk about Connor Lou getting his first start on that offensive line this weekend. I thought Connor Lou did a great job. Mississippi State tries to, um, you know, scheme up ways to get to the quarterback. Uh, they don't just rush for uh, every play. Um, they, they get creative. They blitz. They stunt. They do a lot of stuff. That's a big-time kind of pressure thing for your center. He's got to ID a lot of that. He's got to, you know, make the right reads and the right calls there and the adjustments of the line of scrimmage. He did that. Um, snaps were really good. He only had one there on that last drive that that, that was rough. Um, but, you know, no harm, no foul. Auburn landed on it and was able to, you know, finish off the win there. Um, I thought Connor Lee played really well. I thought Auburn just did a good job, that group, um, you know, holding up against the pressure of Mississippi State. 
creating some holes in the running game, especially in the first half, was good. And the other thing is, this is a group that's rotating. Um, you know, Cam Stutz is, as Free said yesterday, has been banged up, and they're not playing him every snap of every game. Um, you know, Isaiah Miller's been hurt this year. Some other guys have been worn down. Gunnar Britton continues to be one of the best offensive linemen Auburn's had in a while when it comes to just consistent play up front. Dylan Wade had some penalties, but overall played really well with his in his protection. You get Jeremiah Wright in the game. You get Jaden Muskrat in the game. There's a couple guys who could be who could be playing for you next year. Um, so getting those guys experience right now, I think is good. You want to preserve that offensive line, um, you know, and, and and not wear them down at this point in the year. So the rotation is a is a thing of a necessity. But I think it could have a really big benefit to the future of Auburn's offensive line because there are several guys who are getting snaps right now that aren't necessarily every down players, every every down starters uh, that are, you know, um, that, that that could be in your plans next year. So it's a really, really good sign. And, and obviously Lou looks like a guy who can be, you know, Auburn's starting center for the next couple of years. Ferg, on Saturday Auburn had a, roughly around 11 different receivers catch a pass. Now obviously a lot of those were running backs and tight ends. I mean, it had a little bit of everything in that game. Do you feel Auburn has moved closer and has maybe settled on maybe a group of five to six wide receivers that they that have kind of separated themselves, or are we still apt to see all eight, nine guys by the by the end of each game? Yeah, I still think you're going to see a lot of those guys. I think Jay Fair, you know what you like uh, out of him, and, and he seems to be you know a guy they're going to continue to go back to. Um, Caleb Burton uh, caught that first pass and played out wide, moved around. He's getting more and more snaps. But, yeah, it's, it's just some of everybody. And when you don't have you know a dominant wide receiver one and your best receiver is a slot guy like Jay Fair is, um, you need to rotate. Um, you know, Rivaldo Fairweather's – Pretty much not a tight end anymore. In the last few weeks, he's played less than 20% of his snaps uh, as an attached tight end. Um, he's more of a big slot receiver, sometimes outside receiver at this point for Auburn. Um, move it around. I mean, Shane Hooks was kind of AWOL on this offense for the past month. He catches a huge touchdown, makes makes a couple of plays in this game. I mean, you just got to keep going with that. Cameron Brown, um, you know, some other other guys, um, you know, getting involved in something. Malcolm Johnson Jr. You know, it's just. This Auburn offense is at its best when everybody can kind of eat, and then you know you get everyone involved, spread the field, make that make sure that everyone's a threat to catch a pass, spread it out that way, and you know that includes the running backs, that includes the tight ends. Um, so yeah, I, I, nobody's really separating themselves at wide receiver this season, other than Jay Fair, um, but you can get creative and find it different ways, and whether it's young guys um, who can be here for for a few more years or um, some of these transfers you're just trying to finish uh the season on a positive note uh get everybody involved rotate them out and and, and you know see so see you can make plays for you on any given day and then justin you know you, you kind of mentioned the the running backs there but talk more about that running back play from from this past weekend jarquez honor was was exceptional um he looked like the old jarquez again um i think you know he looks a lot more patient um you know letting plays develop letting the holes develop and accelerating he looks fresher healthier he's just moving better First half of the season was rough for him, obviously, um, but he has really gotten back to work and has done a really, really good job. Received a lot of praise from Freeze and his teammates for just going back about his business. He's done a really good job. You're going to get Demari Austin healthier and healthier as time goes on. Um, you're going to get Brian Batine, Jeremiah kind of involved even more. Um, but having a guy like Jarquez Hunter who you know can make big plays for you without necessarily having to touch the ball 20, 25 times a game, it's huge. And so, 
really good running back play from Auburn in this game. Um, you know, they, they they did a good job of um, taking it to them in the first half. Second half, Mississippi State adjusted. Auburn wasn't really, um, you know, didn't didn't really counter punch as quickly uh, in the running game. But end of the game, when everybody in the building knew Auburn was going to run the ball, what happens? Jarko Hunter rips off two really good runs and puts the game away. That's just the, the type of player he is. Switching over, looking at the defensive side of things, uh, there has been a lot to like with this defense all, the, all through the season uh, and another good performance against Mississippi State. Uh, is there anything in particular uh, that you have seen out of that defense that really jumps out at you that has impressed you? Yeah, I, I'm writing about this tomorrow for tomorrow for the Observer, and it's just this is not a good per-play defense. They're like 89th in the country, 87th or something like that in yards per, uh, yards per play. But they just get off the field. Uh, they're a really good scoring defense, great red zone defense. Third, down, They're getting off the field on third downs. They're forcing turnovers. So even when teams feel like they can move the ball, you got to earn every single you know point you get against everybody. Think about the Mississippi State game. Think about the touchdown that State had in that game. Um, you know, that was a – you know, Mike Wright threw a dot like right by Deontay Scott's head uh, for for that touchdown. Uh, just a really good play. You, you know, end of the game, Auburn gets a stop down down there. It's just they make teams have to earn everything. And so, even though it's not a strong defensive front um, in terms of depth, um, they do give up chunks on the ground. Uh, they don't have a go-to pass rusher. Uh, that's that's really been just a, a super standout this season um, on on the edges. Um, they they just get off the field, and uh, they do a really good job of adjusting. I think Ron Roberts deserves a lot of credit for getting the most out of this group uh, this season. This is not a deep or overly talented defense, um, but they have some strengths and they play to them. And when the when the other team kind of counters, they they stay in front of them. Um, and so I think the Auburn defense um, is going to go down as a pretty good one this year, even if the numbers, you know, don't say that they were a dominant unit. They've, they've done a really good job of getting off the field and keeping points off the board, which is obviously the most important thing. Talking to Justin Ferguson of the Auburn Observer today on Sports Call. One more football, Ferg, and then we'll have one basketball for you. Uh, this Vanderbilt team that Auburn's going to face this Saturday, Nashville, obviously kind of a weird stat that Auburn's not won there nearly 20 years because of just the 08 and 12 debacles and just not playing them frequently. But uh, Vandy on the the, the win loss sheet, just two and seven on the year. They've hung around some games. What are the challenges that they'll uh, that Auburn will face on Saturday? Yeah, on offense, you got to be worried about uh, the way Vanderbilt can, can stay in games because they can create big plays. Um, this is not a very good offense uh, yet. They are top three, top four in the SEC in, in big passing plays this year. That's because Will Shepard's awesome. Um, if they can get the ball to him, Will Shepard is one of the best receivers in the SEC this year. Period. Um, you know and They've had trouble holding on to the ball. They've used different quarterbacks. They have not, uh, you know, gone back um, to their starter from the beginning of the year. Ken Ken Seals has kind of been the guy they've they've leaned on recently. They the interesting one here is they against Ole Miss on Saturday. Um, they went with a new quarterback, Walter Taylor. Uh, he's from Jackson. Um, he's six seven and can run. Um, you know, not a polished passer at this at this stage in his career. Uh, but he ran the ball 20 times against Ole Miss. So if they go with Taylor, you can get a steady diet of just, you know, running quarterback there. But if Shepard, I mean, Shepard can make plays, and Shepard is a guy that can, can flip the field on you, get points on the board. They've done a good job of hanging in, in games early, especially at home this season. Um, so they are 
they're a team that's got some got some weapons on offense that you don't want to just completely pass them over um, and ignore them. Will Shepard, I think, is the big one. And if their quarterback can get the ball to them and, then, and, and avoid turnovers, whoever that is, you know, they can hang around in this game. On the defensive side, uh, Vanderbilt's really struggled on that side of the ball here this season. I'll take some steps back. Not a really good run, stopping defense, giving up a ton of yards, ton of you know, very, reminds me a lot of Mississippi State back in the last couple of you know, really the last month. Uh, I think teams are averaging like like seventy one percent completion percentage against them, which is really really high. Um, so I mean, Auburn could run back to that same game plan they they did against Mississippi State, uh, and and I think have a lot of success with it on Saturday against Vanderbilt. You got to do it away from home. It's a weird environment. It's an active construction zone. It's a small crowd. Like it's going to be all the weird stuff. Auburn just got to put that show on the road. I like Auburn. How Auburn's offense matches up with um, Vanderbilt's defense for sure. And I think on the flip side, Auburn's offense, Auburn's defense. They just got to make sure Shepard doesn't beat them um, and does a good job of you know if it is a guy like Walter Taylor uh, bringing down their their the running threat they've got at quarterback. And then, Ferg, turning the basketball for one quick question. Bruce Pearl's team gets set to take on Auburn Montgomery in an exhibition tomorrow. What does Coach Pearl want to see out of his team? Yeah, I think they're going to want to see uh, just how they how they can get ready. They're going to use this game to really get ready for Baylor, I think. They're going to work on some stuff um, on Saturday, or I would say on Wednesday, that they're going to use in South Dakota. They're going to um, you know, try to – See which combinations work best in the front court and in the back court, because um, that's going to go a long way in who starts. But this is going to be a deep team. You're going to see them rotate a lot. You're going to see them um, pretty pretty even with the minutes. Uh, they like they like a lot of what they've got. And I think you know uh, the big thing is that Auburn fans that come here tomorrow night uh, to watch them, I think you're going to see a much better offense. Um, we know we don't have a ton of details of what happened in that scrimmage they played against. Uh, against uh, uh, Furman uh, on, on Sunday. We do know they scored over 100 points in it, though. And, you know, Auburn has looked a lot better in the preseason, um, shooting the ball, working the ball, playing fast. Um, this team is going to take some time to come together, but I think, you know, tomorrow this, this, this exhibition is going to be a lot about finding what they want to really, really run when they play an awesome, you know, Baylor team, you know, next Tuesday night. He's Justin Ferguson of the Auburn Observer joining us today on Sports Call. Ferg, what do you have going on with the Observer here in the coming days? Yeah, you can check out a story that uh, came up today on Auburn's history in Vanderbilt and kind of some of the stuff we talked about about this particular matchup and why it's so interesting. Um, it's not, you know, don't look at it as, oh, this team's lost seven games. Auburn should have, Auburn should have no big deal. I mean, Hugh Free sounds pretty worried about about the, the threat of Vanderbilt and you kind of break down the reasons why on uh, – uh, in that, and then, like I said, we have a story tomorrow coming out on Auburn's defense, kind of what has made them tick uh, this season, why they've been a lot better than maybe what their stats could kind of show uh, for them this this year. Uh, we'll be covering uh, the uh, exhibition tomorrow night, uh, so you know that's not on TV. So if you can't make it out to the game, we'll have a ton of coverage from it. Um, you know, we'll we'll talk about it on our podcast. We'll preview Vanderbilt this week, mailbag, thirteen for thirteen, ton of stuff. It's a great time to sign up for the Observer, um, AuburnObserver.com. I mean, this time next week, I'm going to be in South Dakota for Auburn Baylor. So this is a, it's, you know, I'm going to be on the road this weekend in Nashville. So ton of stuff going on, and we'll be on top of everything Auburn football and basketball at the Observer. Sign up there. A very busy yet exciting time of the year. Justin Ferguson of the Auburn Observer with us today. Justin, as always, we appreciate the time. Be safe traveling, and we look forward to talking to you again soon. All right, Sarah.
That is Justin Ferguson of the Auburn Observer today on Sports Call with the buzzer-beating response right there. <laughs> uh, we're going to head to our final break of hour number one. Back to wrap things up right after this. Sports Call has been on the air since 1995. Now back to the multi-time Abbey Award winning Sports Call. We've got to let these play out a little bit more uh, today. I mean, these are just kind of one-time thing. Most people don't know the name of this song. That's fair. That's fair. It is Frankenstein. Yeah. By the Edgar Winter Group. Uh, can't wouldn't be able to name another song by them. Just be forthcoming, and uh, hopefully, hopefully, hopefully that did not irritate anyone. But. <laughs> Just a couple minutes left here in hour number one. Appreciate Justin Ferguson of the Auburn Observer for joining us right there. So you heard the sounds in the background, obviously. Basketball season is near. And there is an exhibition, as Ferg mentioned, as we mentioned, tomorrow against AUM uh, in Neville Arena. And, again, not being broadcast, but seven days away from the Open to Auburn's basketball season. Baylor is a top 25 team, by the way, and we'll be getting more into the preview of that game and the Auburn season uh, tomorrow and in the in the coming days. I think it's going to be really exciting basketball season. I think there's going to be a lot, of, a lot of good teams in the SEC yeah. again, too. I mean, some of the old reliable teams – have recruited well both in high school and in the portal. And that's why Auburn, although projected to be an NCAA tournament team this year, still being picked anywhere fifth, sixth, seventh even in the SEC because I think there's going to be uh, it's going to be a quality league once again. And, and again, Brooks, you and I were in that uh, press conference yesterday, not only for Hugh Freeze, but also uh, you got a two-for-one with uh, Bruce Pearl coming in right after – Hugh Freeze, and I, I think that he his program, you know, he was making some comparisons uh, to Auburn basketball's first couple of years with Auburn football's first couple of years about, hey, it's not exactly, you know, all the big wins you want to have and, and the really the success you want to have, but someone's got to la- lay the foundation for the years to come. Obviously, Auburn football's had a foundation for previous years, previous decades, et cetera, but, but – that Auburn basketball program had been pretty lean before Bruce Pearl had come in. He was talking about KTRL and all that stuff. And, again, it was kind of like a nice little 30-second reminder of, again, we're bickering over will it be a top 20 team, top 25 team, barely an NCAA tournament team, what's the ceiling, that sort of thing. And, man, I mean, just any time before Bruce Pearl, other than the, the Sonny Smith years, it would have been – yeah, well, uh, and, you know, a couple of Cliff Ellis teams, obviously. But for the most part, it would be like, yeah, well, 
Maybe they make the NIT this year. <laughs> Maybe they go over 500 overall. Uh, and so nice little reminder of even where it was when Bruce got here uh, around a decade ago, just just uh, just four decade ago, and and now what the reset expectations are for the program. Yeah, I mean you we come into this uh, you you come into the Auburn basketball season now expecting uh, Auburn fans expect to be uh, in the big dance, and I'll tell you what over the past few years, even though Auburn's only made the Final Four once. I think the a lot of fans come into seasons expecting to make it past the first weekend of the the NCAA tournament, at least making it to that second week of the Sweet Sixteen, Elite Eight. Um, but yeah, it's you know it, it there's a lot that that's still you know has to be uh, to built on to build on at, at Auburn football. Bruce Pearl talked about it yesterday. With uh, you you got to build a little bit, and so you know not everything is is a quick turnaround or as quick as some people would like. Uh, turn things around. Like obviously, you know, Bruce Pearl came in, and it took him a few years to get it going at at, at Auburn basketball. But uh, you know, it was it he, he got it turned around, uh, and and now it's you're you're in. We talked about it a couple weeks ago. You're in conversations for recruits that are uh, you're scaring uh, the likes of Duke basketball now that you may land a recruit that they were really high on and. It's um it, it it's it, it's interesting. It, it's a it's a fun time to be an Auburn basketball fan. Uh, and then it also shows you that you know no matter how far down you are, you can always build back up. And uh, you're you're you know you hope that the the build up is quick for Auburn football too. Yeah, certainly certainly hoping for that. And again, uh, with basketball, you cannot watch the game on TV tomorrow. Uh, and. Uh, the only way, the only way to consume it will be to actually go to Neville Arena. I think you got some pretty cheap tickets available for that exhibition, uh, and of course, won't see the team in their first game, at least not in Auburn, because that will be a nationally broadcast game from Sioux Falls, South Dakota, as Auburn will take on top twenty-five Baylor there in the Pentagon. Yep, see, not the Pentagon yeah, in yeah, Washington D.C. Stanford DC. Pentagon, yeah, the Pentagon. In South Dakota. Yes, and uh, definitely uh, would be a long trek for us, but would definitely uh, be welcome to to enjoy it from the comfort of our homes. As uh, you hear a little music going off there, and it is the end of hour number one. Just had to have a, a little bit more spirit here. I, I saw this in the log, and I wasn't going to pass it up because of uh, running out of time. But, uh, yeah, this is definitely going to be my favorite. I think of all of them, if you know how much I like the Halloween franchise. We are out of time for hour number one. Stay tuned. More of your phone calls coming up in hour number two on the Orthopedic Clinic phone line. You're listening to the Halloween edition of Sports Call.
One hour of our show is in the books. We've got more to come. Stay tuned for another hour of Sports Call right after the break. Since 1995, Alabama's sports talk leader, Tiger Communications, proudly presents Sports Call. It's time to join our Sports Call crew as they discuss the latest headlines and happenings around Auburn and the entire sports world. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We're taking phone calls all show long and want to talk about whatever you've got on your mind. And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Second hour of Sports Call starting right now. Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm, and the Tiger Communications app. Ryan LaVoy, Tom Peavy, and Brooks Childress with you here on this beautiful Halloween Tuesday. A great change of weather here as we are in the middle of fall. Beautiful day. A cool day. Not a cold day. Cool's fine. I'm good with cool. Cold, eh. Cold's on the way. Cold is on the way, though. Tomorrow will be cold. Tonight will be cold. But today it's cool. And uh, that's okay with me. If you want to give us a call today on the Orthopedic Clinic phone line, 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free, one 888 9 We go to that Orthopedic Clinic phone line to start hour number two. James from Montgomery. James is with us. James, how are you this afternoon? I'm good and we're eagle and happy Halloween. Happy Halloween. Yes, I know that y'all were talking about some good candy for Halloween, and my favorite candy is candy corn. Candy corn. Okay, I think Tom Peavy's a big candy corn guy. Yes, as well. And I just wanted to actually say that Auburn is actually going to be giving out a lot of tricks this coming up week when we play against Vanderbilt. So I know Vanderbilt is going to be scared of Auburn to actually, you know, I know we're going to actually bring some scare to Vanderbilt this coming up weekend as well. Yeah, hopefully Auburn does trick uh, Vandy, and uh, hopefully they they don't even need to trick play them to death, that they can uh, just line up and, and be able to uh, figure it out against the Commodores. But uh, obviously Auburn can't take anyone for granted with the way they played this year, so we'll see how it goes up in Nashville. Yes, as well, because I know y'all were talking with Anthony, and he was talking about um, when was the last time that Auburn actually played Vanderbilt. So I'm not trying to step on his toes or anything, but I just wanted to know um, when was the last time that Auburn actually uh, played in Vanderbilt? Yeah, so uh, they last played in Nashville in 2012. Uh, the Tigers last played in Jordan-Hare Stadium against Vanderbilt in 2016. 2016, Auburn won by a touchdown. 2012, Auburn lost a close game. Obviously, Auburn lost a lot of games in 2012. Yes, as well, because we did win, we did lose a lot of games in 2012 as well. And I'm thinking with the end of our schedule that's coming to a near, um, I'm looking at Auburn going 6-6 six and six or 6-7 six and seven at the end of the year. So, um, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna keep my hopes up and actually uh, lean over towards six and six as well. Yeah, we'll see. I, I think the Arkansas game will determine that. I personally think Auburn's gonna be fine against Vanderbilt. I do understand again taking them seriously and and making sure you play a good solid game. But I think really the question is Arkansas. And if they beat Arkansas, they're gonna end up with seven wins. 
uh, at least. Then again, people will tell you that Iron Bowl. Again, that's going to be a close game. I really do believe that. Uh, we'll see what Alabama does against LSU this weekend and, and what that Iron Bowl will mean to them in, in terms of the West. Uh, but I do think a home Iron Bowl will give Auburn a shot at it. Now, again, long way to go from here to now, here to then, but uh, I, I think that they they will. I think they'll get to seven. Honestly, I do think that they're going to end up beating Arkansas too with the season they've had. But we'll see. Yes, as well because I'm going to be watching LSU and Alabama. So I'm looking at LSU. They're looking like a good team, and I'm looking at LSU as a bowl favorite as well. So if they beat Alabama in Tuscaloosa, I don't see Nick Saban coming out with a win at home as well. Right. If LSU does win, that means uh, Alabama and Nick Saban would have lost. I, I think that uh, this game will, again, decide the West. I think it's got a lot riding on it. I think that if LSU were to win it, then we're down to only one potential playoff team out of the SEC, and that would be Georgia. And so it is a it is a very large game. But, again, Alabama's got that benefit of being at home. Last year it was a very close game, but LSU pulled it out at their home stadium. So, again, it's going to be difficult for LSU to go on the road and get this done, but they certainly have a great offense, and that's going to make it very intriguing. Yes, with um, bowl season right around the corner, I'm looking at like my top five college uh, football playoff uh, contenders um, before the college football playoff uh, actually starts sometime next few weeks or so. I have that number. Uh, I have that number one. I have Colorado. I look at Colorado. They look like a good team. They look like a bowl team that looks really good with uh, Deion Sanders as as their head coach as well. So I'm going to just put them at number one. And at number two, I see Penn State actually making it to a bowl game this year. Yeah, those teams will make it to a bowl game, although Colorado might or might not. They are 4-4 four and four at the moment. So they're not going to be ranked up there in the college football playoff rankings. Penn State will be ranked, but after their loss to Ohio State, they're not going to be ranked. Uh, in the top five or anything like that. So, uh, yeah, those teams could make bowl games, but in terms of the playoffs, especially Colorado, Colorado has no chance at it. Yeah, so I'll just uh, take Colorado out with them losing, uh, well, actually winning four games and losing four games on the road as well. So I'll just probably put, um, I'll probably put Georgia in there, and I'll probably see how Georgia actually comes out at the end of the season with, uh, you know, with their head coach as well, with uh, Kirby Smart, because I know he's really looking like a um, a great um, coach that might want to take their team, that he wants to take his team back to Atlanta. So I think that's going to be a good test for uh, Kirby Smart to actually um, take the Georgia Bulldogs back to Atlanta again and win their fifth uh, consecutive uh, college uh, bowl title as well. Yeah, uh, again, it would be their third if they're able to uh, to win the national title again. But, yes, yeah, certainly they are in a good position to do that. Uh, they have a big game at Missouri this weekend, which I think will uh, kind of be for the East. I mean, if Missouri were to somehow win, I wouldn't lock it up that Missouri has won the East. They would have a tiebreaker. But, again, if Missouri lost again, then obviously Georgia would go back to number one. So we'll see. Uh, but I, I think that Georgia is clearly in the driver's seat right now in the conference. And, uh, they they do look like a strong pl- uh, college football playoff contender. Yes, as well. And then at number three, I have Texas. And then at number four, I have Oklahoma to do a rematch of the Red River rivalry as well. And then with five and six, I have Florida and Georgia Tech actually um, in those two spots as well. 
Those are our schools in the southeast. However, Florida and Georgia Tech are uh, are, are not destined for the playoff this year. They've already suffered a few losses, but uh, again, they could end up in bowl games. Uh, Oklahoma, Texas could be a fun one, and if they uh, they play again, I think they still have a shot at. It. Certainly, Texas does. Oklahoma had a disappointing loss this past weekend to Kansas, and so they might need some help now. But I, I think that would be a, a really fun rematch in the Big Twelve title game. Yes, as well, because when they actually next year, when uh, Texas and Oklahoma comes to the SEC, um, will Auburn actually play next year against Alabama, or do you think that the Alabama Iron Bowl is uh, is about to uh, close its doors on the uh, traditional rivalry that's been? Uh, between Auburn and Alabama for for years and years to come as well. No, I, I think it's I think it's time for Auburn to actually play another school than Alabama as well. I uh, yeah, I think they're going to keep playing that game. I, they're that's the one rivalry that if the the schedule goes to one plus seven, so one constant seven rotating, and the Iron Bowl is going to be the one that is going to remain, and and I think it should remain. It's 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 an incredible rivalry. Um, again, it, it means so much, obviously, in this state, but but nationwide, I mean, it's a, it's a great rivalry game. It's it's got to stay, and I think it will stay. Yeah, because um, I was talking with some uh, other Auburn fans, and they were saying that it's very, it's like you know, the the rivalry is good between Auburn and Alabama because it's in Alabama as well, and it's really starting to get a lot of people headaches as well. But for me. It doesn't. It doesn't bother me as well because you know, with Auburn and Alabama, seeing so many great uh, players over the years that played in these rivalry and played in this rivalry game for years, I think it should stay as well. So I'm just going to see um, what Hugh Freeze is actually going to bring uh, next year as well. Yeah, and of course we've got to see the the Iron Bowl this year to see how that'll play out inside of Jordan Hare Stadium. James, any final thoughts for us today before we have to let you go? Um, I actually do have one final thought because my Texas Rangers, they play tonight. So I am actually going to see my Texas Rangers take game four and game five. So I'm just going to see what, uh, what's going to be, uh, what's going to actually happen, uh, for tonight as well because I know, uh, Anthony Garcia, he's out. So I'm not quite sure if it's like a day to day. Uh, injury, but I'm just going to see what the doctors will say before uh, game time starts in a couple of hours from now. Yeah, Dulles Garcia got removed from the game last night there with some sort of oblique problem, and usually those are kind of tough to battle back from in the next couple of days. So we'll keep an eye on that. He's had a phenomenal postseason, but uh, he his status is in jeopardy here for the next few games. Yeah, so I'm going to just see who they're going to um, put in that fourth spot for uh no in that fifth spot for uh anthony garcia so i'm just going to see on the mlb network and see what they're going to say for who's going to uh who's going to step up for anthony garcia as well and i think this game is going to it's going to really test uh the arizona diamondbacks as well yeah it is a very important game for the diamondbacks if they get down uh three one um, then, you know, I mean, they're, it's going to be tough way back for it. So the Rangers have a great opportunity tonight. I did see with the Dulles Garcia, he is not in Texas's lineup tonight, uh, but he says he feels good. So he might be available to pinch hit or might be available in their next game. So hope not lost for him for the series, but is not going to start tonight. 
Yes, as well, because I'm actually looking at my Texas Rangers to actually win the World Series as well. And with this World Series, I'm actually going to be going to Taco Bell and getting my free taco that I won from uh, last week. And um, I'm I'm actually going to get it as well. Yeah, Uh the steel base, steal the taco. They've been doing that for a while. Fun promotion for sure, and uh, I would highly recommend stealing that taco. Yeah, it's as well. So I'm gonna actually see. I'm gonna actually see if I can actually get one, uh, one more tonight as well. All right, James. Well, uh, good luck with your Rangers tonight. We look forward to talking again soon, and uh, happy Halloween. All right, sounds good, guys. And I'll talk to y'all tomorrow. Happy Halloween. All right, War Eagle. That is War Eagle. That is James from Montgomery joining us on the Orthopedic Clinic phone line. We're going to head to our next timeout. When we come back, we'll go right back to the Orthopedic Clinic phone line. You're listening to the Halloween edition of Sports Call Tiger 95.9. I put a spell on you. Because of mine. Stop the things you do <laughs> What's up? May we have your attention, please? Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? We're Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show. Hi, my name is... What? My name is... My name is... Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. This is Brant Daughtry, voice of the Smith Station Panthers, inviting you to join me, Walter Northcutt, and the rest of the broadcast crew for another exciting season of Panther football on FM Talk 93.9. The Panthers are led by first-year head coach Bryant Garrison and are poised for a big year on the gridiron. Coverage of the Panthers begins 30 minutes before kickoff every game day, so don't miss a single second of Smith Station football action on FM Talk 93.9. Brought to you by Southeastern Land Group, Troy Bank and Trust, Tiger Iron Gym, and Glenn Smith Chevrolet GMC in Opelika. Get ready to smile. Now back to Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. I was working in the lab late one night when my eyes beheld an eerie sight. For my monster from his slab began to rise, and suddenly, to my surprise, he did the match. He did the monster match. The monster it was a graveyard smash. Brooks Childress, very much dancing along right now. He did the monster match. In the Tiger Communications studio. Happy Halloween. Hey, that was a good 30 seconds worth, though. It was. Uh, as we have this Halloween edition of the program. We're coming up a little bit later. More sports, obviously. But also, uh, some Halloween candy fodder. As I uh, got to go through the rankings. Also, the question will be posed again. Don't answer it yet. Is Halloween candy different to you than just regular candy? Like your favorite Halloween candy is that different than your regular favorite candy? Interesting. Because I've been thinking a little bit about that. So be thinking about the answer to that. For now, though, we go back to the Orthopedic Clinic phone line three three four eight eight seven three four zero one locally or toll free one triple eight nine Tiger Nine. Next up on the program, Ward Dam Steve. We're Ty Ward Dam Steve is with us. Steve, how are you, my friend? Good. 
happy Halloween, gentlemen. Happy Halloween. Uh, anybody dressing up for uh, Halloween this evening? Uh, yeah, not uh, not me. Uh, I'm not. Uh, I've not been in costume very often in my life. Okay, so you just go play it straight then. Yep. I, I mean, I do have a Bucks uh, sweatshirt on. Uh, if Belichick was the coach of the Bucks and not the Patriots, I could be like, oh yeah, I'm going as an NFL head coach. But yeah, no. Uh, otherwise, no, nothing. Uh, I, okay. I I dressed up Saturday for the uh, Fat Daddies. And you uh, looked good. Halloween party and ran their costume contest. And so, yeah. You looked good, Tom. Thank you. And you were a firefighter? I, I dressed, uh, not quite. I dressed as Fire Marshal Bill, the uh, Jim Carrey character from uh, In Living oh, okay. Color. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The guy sets everything on fire. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Okay, that's good. Brooks, how about you, sir? Uh, I will be dressing up as a sports call host in the, by day, and then tonight will be a candy thief. Oh, candy thief. Yeah. Okay. All right. A sports call by day. Okay. Uh, that was scary. <laughs> I guess somebody's going to be dressed up as a uh, um, Auburn football player or not. But uh, we've okay. had a we have a, a, a Miss Frizzle from uh, from the Magic School Bus walking around the office today. Okay. All right. Well, let's. I'll give some nuggets first, real real quickly, guys, if I may. Sure. All right. Uh, Halloween. Uh, originally was a Roman festival, according to History Channel. Sacrifices took place and and foods off God of the dead. Well, the Christian church in medieval times took over it, uh, and they substituted it uh, and called it All Saints Day, which is tomorrow. So the word Halloween comes from All Hallows, meaning holy people. So today is the eve of Halloween, of course, was All Saints Day tomorrow. So, so that's how that got started. The name. What about Jack O'Lantern? Do you know how that got started? No idea. Okay, neither did I. But according to History Channel, well, you know that uh, glowing uh, pumpkin and uh, the lantern off that people have. Well, uh, that was initially uh, Jack was initially a name for a night watchman carrying a light. Okay. So that's where the Jack O'Lantern came from. If you didn't know it, you'd know it now. And by the way, uh, the early Christians left out uh, the lamp lit up. Uh, in fact, they uh, used it to guide dead souls to the meat to the meal that they left out for them. All right. So didn't know that. But I love the Boris uh, Pickett uh, Monster Mash. Uh, good, good, good song there. All right. Uh, how about candy, guys? I know you're going to talk about it, but uh, do you happen to know what the top ten candy? Uh, sellers are for Halloween, according to Instacart. I feel like Reese's eggs got to be in there, or uh, or pumpkins. something. Some Reese's pumpkins. I said eggs. Yeah, something Reese's there. Okay, here they are, guys. According to Instacart, the top ten are Reese's peanut butter cups. Yep. Which I think Justin Ferguson said he liked, right? Yeah, he was going with the uh, the pumpkins. Yeah, he. But, but yeah, I mean, he likes Reese's. Yes, but. Okay. Uh, next is peanut M and M's. Yes, absolutely. Regular M&M's. Yep. Tootsie Pops. Oh, okay. Twizzlers. Okay. Hershey's Milk Chocolate. Yep. Sour Patch Kids. Okay. Candy Corn. Yep. Kit Kat. And okay. finally, Starburst. Okay. All right. Yeah, I like so most of those on the list. Were you surprised by any of those items? Say that again? Were you surprised by any of those items? Uh, I... 
you know, I'm, at first I was surprised by the Tootsie Pop, but then I was like, you know, when else time of year do you get Tootsie Pops like in mass? Like it, it feels yeah. like everybody gets them in there in, when you're trick-or-treating, you get them in there, but you never see them rest of the year. Yeah. Okay. Well, there's a candy, guys, that I used to get as a kid to tell you how old I am now when I was trick-or-treating that I don't see anymore. I don't know if they still manufacture them, but they were called peanut butter logs. Uh, yeah, I can't. I remember those. Yeah. Remember those? Oh, yeah. Tom? I do. Yeah. They were small, but they were really crunchy, and, and I, I enjoyed them. So, anyway, uh, well, let's uh, continue, guys, with uh, uh, I enjoyed hearing uh, Chris Gordon's uh, comments yesterday. Uh, a little disappointed to hear him say that he didn't give a high likelihood of us uh, finishing uh, with uh, seven games, that we're going to win uh, uh, at least the remaining three before we uh, beat uh, uh, before we uh, get the Iron Bowl. Uh, so, guys, give me your take. What do you see on the percentage-wise likelihood that we uh, win the remaining games before we get to the Iron Bowl? Oh, goodness. Um, I, you know, I, I, I'm going to – I'm one of those that's going to go 40% because I'm still sticking with my prediction and everything for the season, and everything has gone exactly how I said it was going to go so far. And one of those I have is Auburn losing at Arkansas. Um, Even though Mississippi State beat them seven to three. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I, I like I said, things do change as the season goes on. Teams are better than you expected, worse than you expected. I feel a little better about Auburn's chances playing Arkansas now. But you got to remember, Arkansas that that was a team going into this season a lot of people had high expectations for and I, that's why I just didn't think Auburn would be able to go to Fayetteville and win that one it's much more winnable now uh i believe and so uh i but i still i'm sticking to my guns on it i i'm not going to go you know 20 or 30% chance i'm going to go 40 um, cuz i do still think there's a good chance that that Auburn wins out until they get to the Iron Bowl and my predictions at the beginning of the season that Auburn beat Alabama in the Iron Bowl. Okay. Um, Brian and Tom, uh, what's percentage-wise your likelihood that we win the remaining games before uh, the Iron Bowl? Yeah, that, that was Tom that was, that was speaking right there. Ryan and Brooks still got to remain with the right. opinions. Brian Brooks. Yeah. Uh, I, I think for me, I think that I look at it as uh, they're going to beat New Mexico State. I think there's about a 90% chance, 85% chance they beat Vandy. And I think there's about a 50 to 60% chance that they beat Arkansas. So, you know, I think that does equal the 40 to 50% range. And, you know, look, if they play like they did in the first half against Mississippi State, and really for the majority of the game, really three quarters against Mississippi State, then I think they'll beat Arkansas. I think that was plenty good enough. The only thing I want to see with Arkansas this week, I think they go to Florida, is I want to see what that offense looks like now that they fire Danny Enos. Uh, and that is a potential uh, surge of offense for them because they, you know, they've they've got a decent quarterback. I certainly have to revise a little bit with KJ Jefferson the way he's played this year, but I think he's still a competent quarterback. They've not had a healthy Rocket Sanders this year. I, I will see if he can get back healthy in the next two weeks. But again, more than anything, this was a first year OC for them and Dan Enos, and they already fired him because they have been. So porous. So do they get a little bit of a waking up there in the swamp this weekend? If they don't, I feel even better about Auburn's chances. If they do, then I think, okay, well, at least they have 
tried to turn the page, just like Auburn has tried to turn the page in the last week. So that's my big question mark. I think they're fine against Vandy. I think they're super fine against New Mexico State. It's really that Arkansas game just being a road game. And uh, I understand Vandy's on the road too, but it's also 20-something thousand people, and a few thousand of those will probably be Auburn fans. So, I mean, I think you're I think you're well, looking at like 15,000 home fans there top. So uh, I just I think that Auburn's going to be fine in Nashville this weekend. But uh, Arkansas is the one I would question. Yeah, Ryan, since you mentioned that, I'm just reading – 247 Sports, I did not know this. Apparently, they're doing renovations at Vanderbilt's uh, um, it's called First Bank Stadium. Yeah. yeah. And so the student, sit down on this one. The stadium's capacity, sounds like I'm going to a junior college or a high school game here, has been reduced to 28,500. Yep. And yeah, I mean, we, we talked about that uh, at SEC Media Days where um, somebody had gone out there and taken pictures of the stadium. And neither end zone existed anymore. Now they already they had one end zone uh, closed in, but that was gone. The other end zone, uh, basically both end zones are under construction right now. So all they have are the sideline stands, and their scoreboard is hanging from two cranes. Oh God, I, I have this guess that maybe twenty thousand of that twenty eight thousand might be Auburn fans. Yeah, I I don't know. I've not been keeping up with Vandy's uh, attendance this year when they've. Hosted big teams. Uh, yeah, I've not been keeping up with it. I don't know what the, the percentage has been, but uh, I think everything's on the table. If Vandy has a few more fans, I'm not shocked. If Auburn has a few more fans, I'm not shocked. It's uh, it's going to be interesting. Brooks, what's your percentage? Um, I, I think the when, when you look at the, the rest of this year, uh, I'm on I'm the same boat as Ryan, and I, I hate that Ryan said it before I did because I wanted to look like the smart one today. But um, I, I think that you're, you're going to tell a lot. I think I would say right now I would say 50% chance Auburn finishes with seven wins, but that could go up or it could go slightly down depending on what Arkansas looks like this weekend at Florida without Dan Enos there. If their offense gets a little boost there, it, it, whatever that looks like, Plus, you know, you, you think about or you, you look at the record two and six going into this weekend. If they beat Florida, they're still in a hunt for a bowl game, and they're trying. You know, they're like Ryan was saying, they're trying to salvage a season at the end of things. And so, I think also even if they if they lose, if their offense looks better, but if they lose to Florida, then they're you know they're there's they're just playing to to finish out this season, spoil other people's seasons at that point. Um, and so I, I, right now I would say 50% chance, but it could go up or uh, down depending on what this weekend holds with uh, Arkansas. And guys, question here, I don't mean to be sarcastic, but where was this Peyton Thorne during the other games, you know, prior to Saturday, you know, against Mississippi State? Where was he at? Playing against better defenses. That may be will be, but still. <laughs> I mean, him throwing to receivers actually caught passes. Uh, the one uh, to Jeremiah Cobb was uh, just beautiful. Well, again, you can say the playing de- better defense is part. Statistically, LSU's defense still worse. True. Cal's defense not good. So, and we didn't and see Cal, it in those games. Excuse me, did Cal just barely lose by one point, fifty to forty nine? Yeah, to USC. Yeah, that was uh, they went for two, didn't get it. Good late. lord! Yeah, crazy. We game. Held them how many points? Ten points. Yeah, yeah, something like that. Uh, again, though, Auburn did score it in the teens, so it's not like they uh, fare much better uh, differential-wise. I, I think that I think the rhythm has a lot to do with it. And, again, Peyton Thorne talking about last week, 
uh, pressing, trying to do too much, that sort of thing. What, just looking over the shoulder mentality thing. I think the mentality was just slightly off. Uh, not that it was you know down in the dumps or anything like that negative. It was just, again, as he said, pressing and trying to give the coaches a reason not to pull him. And that's usually not something the quarterback has to worry about. And, and I, I think it's very possible that that it, – it, especially if he plays well the rest of the year. If he just plays well you know, against Vandy to a degree but then plays poorly against Arkansas, poorly against Alabama – and he's been, and he's the quarterback throughout those games. Then we saw this was a complete aberration, and it, it's just not going to last. Or if he does play well the rest of the season, even against Alabama, who does have a really good defense, then we see how much the lack of rhythm hindered him in trying to to learn everything and trying to again, as he said, do too much, to impress too much, and uh, you know that that sort of thing is very possible at this point. Yeah, and you know I hope that's. Not the anomaly that we saw Saturday, uh, and I hope that uh, what Freeze uh, apparently said uh, during uh, this week's, uh, I guess, meetings with him, he told him put up a shut up to the quarterback, right? Yeah, that, that he, yeah. he even said. I mean, again, it's time to kind of figure this thing out. Yeah. Okay. Moving on real quickly, guys. Uh, I see there's another interesting twist to the Michigan investigation. Uh, have you read the latest? That they think Stallions might have been on the sideline of the Central Michigan-Michigan State game? Yes, and wearing Central Michigan attire. Yeah, they're, they're still investigating that. It looks very possible, though. looks very possible. And he was having some kind of sideline pass that's not just for a general sideline pass. You have to be, according to this uh, article, uh, reserved for players, coaches, trainers, and equipment staff. And they're given a finite number of passes for each game. He was wearing sunglasses in a night game. Yeah, I, 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 I it's, <laughs> it's sketchy. Yeah, uh, it just keeps going on and on. And to make, I mean, this is, I mean, you can't make this stuff up. He was holding a possible play sheet, standing next to who? The offensive line coach. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, I find that wow. I mean, gee, I mean, uh, hold up. All right, moving on, guys. Uh, today in. Uh, NBA history, several remarkable things occurred. Do you have a clue? In 1997, on this date, uh, uh, Tim Duncan debut. Um, no, too too early in that. I don't know. I don't know. Okay. All right. Well, neither did I until today. The History Channel says 33-year-old Violet Palmer becomes the first woman to officiate an NBA game. All right then. Uh, the game was the Dallas Mavericks versus the Vancouver Grizzlies. Okay. How about that? And she was quoted later on, says that we'll look back at this in 25 years and say that opened the door. Well, somebody who was extremely supportive of her being the first female NBA coach said the following. Uh, he said, uh, uh, he said that uh, basketball is a man's man's game and later apologized all right who who who's that person guys who do you think might have said that I, I no idea no idea okay it was sir charles barkley okay yeah later on uh he went uh and apologized to her and uh he went up to her and he said uh, you know what i was wrong 
So there, there you go. She also is in the NBA Hall of Fame. Interesting. How about that? And she officiated 919 NBA games before she retired uh, in 2016. I thought that was uh, pretty interesting. Okay, here's another one today. In 1950, guys, NBA again. This was the first on this date. What do you think happened? This is a very a first ever in NBA history. Oh, I I don't I'm I don't know. Neither did I, but now we know. Twenty one year old Earl Lloyd becomes the first African American to play in an NBA game. All right. So there you have it, guys. That's oh, now I know you guys mentioned Clem uh, uh Clemson Dabble Sweeney, right? He was on a radio podcast or a show that he does, right? Yeah, a radio call in show. Yeah, and I can't believe he said this. He said, to answer your question, apparently the caller called in questioning why was he worth $11.5 million salary. Uh, he said, I started the lowest paid coach in this freaking business, and I am where I am because I worked my ass off every single day, and I ain't going to let some smart-ass kid get on this phone and create this stuff. So if you've got a problem with it, I don't care. Wow. You know, you make $11.5 million, should you be able to take the heat from both people? Yeah, I I would encourage you to to go watch the whole video and and see what uh, that guy Tyler Tyler said. I think Dabo had a right to defend himself that way. Uh, but to call somebody you know a smart ass kid really? Come on. He uh, I mean I just can't imagine that uh, Saban or any of uh, the coaches uh, story would would respond like that. That just let well, let it blow off. Well, Saban's had some rants on his show before. You 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 know that's been well yeah, documented. But he has to call someone a smart ass. I mean, I don't know if he's used that word, but I mean, he's definitely implied some things before. I, I yeah. I, I'm sorry. I just I think Dabo was fine. I just thought that was a little strong language. But finally, 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 I so much loved hearing Anthony today. Uh, the Anthony that I missed and loved came came back today to his true self, uh, predicting that uh, we're going to lose Vanderbilt, right, guys? Yep, that was discredited Mississippi State and then pumped up Vanderbilt. That was an interesting choice. Yeah, and, yep. and, and that's the answer that I missed. Now, <laughs> I, 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 I walked away from uh, uh, the show for a second there. Did I miss him making a prediction for the LSU-Alabama game? No, he did not. He did not. Wow, one hundred. wonder why. Okay, uh, guys, y'all have a safe Halloween, and uh, we'll do this again tomorrow. Until then, where are you, guys? Where you'll see. Appreciate that phone call. That is Retired Word AM Steve joining us on the Orthopedic Clinic phone line. We are going to head to our next timeout. If you want to give us a call today, 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free, 1-8-9-TIGER-9. This Halloween edition of Sports Call continues in a moment. Want to join our conversation? Tweet us your thoughts on Twitter at SportsCallAU. This is Andy Bertram, voice of the Auburn Tigers, and you're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9.
This is the first one we're going to take to the council. I was going to say, I, this, that's not Halloween music. The song title is Disturbia, as you may or may not know from Rihanna, but I... That's a stretch. Just because it's got the word disturb in it. Hold on, hold on. Let me... Hold on. I, Thief in the night to come and grab you. Uh-huh. It can creep up inside you and consume you. Uh-huh. A disease of the mind, it can control you. It's too close for comfort. Uh huh. All right. What we're really asking here is: Die Hard a Christmas movie? No. <laughs> <laughs> that's like, that's what this is feels like. The Nightmare Before Christmas at Halloween or a Christmas movie <laughs> debate? Uh, I yeah, I yeah, sure. Fade well, the pictures on the wall like they're talking to me. Disconnected all calls. Your phone don't doesn't even ring. I I think it's like the it's it's I think it's fine. Like you'd play this at a Halloween party. It's a, it's a Halloween... You look on a Halloween playlist, it's on the Halloween playlist. Okay. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Nightmare Before Christmas. I just... Literally, the opening song is, this is Halloween, this is Halloween. I just think that when you think of um, iconic Halloween stuff, this is not coming up. If you want to make a loose tie, sure. I don't know. Who am I? Michael Jackson's Thriller? Absolutely. That song. Hold on. What? That you're going on the same the yeah. same way though. Yeah. I, I I agree. I think Michael Jackson's Thriller is is in a Halloween playlist. But is it a Halloween song? If you're saying Disturbia is not a Halloween song, you can't say Michael Jackson's uh, song is a Halloween song. They're that the song, same thing. But but at least Thriller sounds creepy. That doesn't sound creepy at all. That just is like poppy whatever music. Happy. Happy music. Not, I don't know if that sounds happy. I will, I will stop you there. You know what? I don't know. I don't know. And I don't have a strong... I don't I don't know. Maybe maybe callers have an opinion. I don't know. Let's go back to the orthopedic clinic phone line. 334-887-3401. Locally or toll-free. one 9 tiger 9 Next up... Daryl from Auburn. Daryl is with us. Daryl, how are you this afternoon? Okay. I think Brooks stole my thunder. Um... Whatever that was, maybe I'm just old school, but that's not Halloween. All right, no, yeah, that's um, Tom. Tom that says that's not Halloween. Yeah. Okay. Well, I, I, I turned my phone off because I don't want any feedback or radio. But uh, and I was gonna say Thriller. If you want to play that and just edit, just get it to where Vincent Price has that little uh, thing in Thriller. I don't know if you know what I'm talking about. Uh, sure. Well, you know what's ironic about this is the next commercial break. It may or may not be thriller. We'll see. We'll see. Well, I'm just saying. Uh, uh, I don't know. How was that last song associated with Halloween? I don't. I don't. I never. I didn't get it. It, it was just kind of the the lyrics were kind of like. Uh, it, it was. It was kind of a. You you would find it in a Halloween playlist is what I was going for there. Okay. Well. You're fired. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot what color used to say. <laughs> Either it was James or the, the guy from Tallahassee. <laughs> I've never been fired by you, Daryl. <laughs> You've never played that song. I know. <laughs> anyway, and I'm going to share a, a personal moment. Um, I started my new job at the downtown grocery store. Excellent. And, um, Loving every minute of it. I've been there a month, and then 
the second for the second week they trained me in the kitchen, so I had to do the maintenance or look I had to do the maintenance on the grease fats, blah blah blah, blah change oil or whatever. Meanwhile, we were taking the used oil out. He's like, well, we go down this back door, and we rolled up the roll-up door, and we went down the ramp, and I almost cried. Oh. You know why? Why is that? I had an unobstructed view of Sanford Hall. <laughs> from the park, from the grease pit, from the Publix uh, grocery store. Oh, yeah. Absolutely, yeah. It's right there. Yeah, you know, and then, you know, my previous workplace, you know, you know, this Waffle House, you know, and that, people ask me, where are you working at downtown? I said, Waffle House. Where is that? Well, surrounded by those six-story buildings, and I'd look outside uh, from inside the restaurant, and the only thing I could recognize is my old church, First Baptist Church, and then next door is the remnants of Tommy Howard's Amico gas station, which is now... Live Oaks or The Oaks or whatever Bard is right next to Waffle House. Yeah. So, and I just, I take a break, you know, and I have the little tables, and it's right across the street from the Methodist Church, so I can hear the chimes of the Methodist Church, then Sanford Hall. So, this is a great uh, work environment, not only uh, with the people and the coworkers, but uh, the physical space. So. Yeah, it sounds like it. I'm glad you're happy, Daryl. Oh, I'm just... Uh, Waffle House may be uh, America's favorite place to eat, but it's not America's favorite place to work. But uh, <laughs> Totally fair. The Publix is quite the opposite. So anyway, come see me if you want some popcorn chicken. I'm in the deli. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, no, we'll have to, we'll have to stop by then. Okay. Y'all have a great day and have a safe Thanksgiving. Oh, not Thanksgiving, Halloween. Okay? Yes, sir. We appreciate it, Daryl. That is Daryl from Auburn joining us on the orthopedic clinic phone line. Good to hear from Daryl. Glad that he's doing well there at the new job. Can't yeah, I got fired. Yeah, I got fired. Well, again, it's, I'm gonna have it's, to start keeping a list on people who fired me. It, it's again, it, it is just I'm not saying that the answer to the question has to be a certain thing, but it is a questionable choice. That is just that is uh, that has obviously been a debatable choice, and I'm not trying to take listen, a side here. I know I don't want to listen. I just pulled up Spotify's Halloween playlist, and it's right? on there. It is number seven on there. Wow! It is one that, that means they you put hear it. That, Tom? They put it on pretty early. Yeah, top ten there. Yeah. Okay. So I don't know. Beauty and the eye of the beholder, I guess. I uh, but yeah. Yeah, again, agree agree to disagree sometimes. That's all right. That's all right. Again, I'm not taking a side. I'm just moderating between Tom and Brooks. Any closing thoughts? Any 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 other defenses? No? I, I'm just saying, Spotify's playlist, their official yeah. playlist, you can listen to it right after you listen to the podcast on, on Spotify. Spotify, no. Wow. I know that, yeah, wow. yeah, I don't know. A huge music platform, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> This okay. is hold this on. This has been funny. Hold on, I'm, I'm I'm I misread it. Disturbia is number ten. Well, this is Halloween is number seven. Hey, so it it's on. Listen, I don't know though. Tom, so you might want to pick and choose. They're in the same. They are both in the same playlist here for Halloween party. I'm just saying. Yeah. I, again, I again, I'm not taking a side. I can see both sides. Again, I can see both sides. I just want to point out. <laughs> I, I mentioned it earlier with these songs. They're not all. You know, necessarily a Halloween song. They you have to do some digging into it. Like the "I Want Candy," that's not a Halloween song. 
but it's okay, like yeah, I want technically, candy. I mean, technically, we could go really deep diving on that if it's really Halloween or not. You're talking about does it pertain to items associated with Halloween? Candy's an item. Hungry like a wolf? I right. Mean, yeah, I wouldn't a say wolf. wolf is a Halloween animal. I would say black cats, bats are Halloween animals. Well, werewolves are. Werewolves are Halloween, yeah. But it wasn't a werewolf. That was just a Good wolf. Good grief. The technicalities here. Oh, the technicalities. Get getting a headache. Getting a headache. About time to wrap did, up the hour. We, we did. Uh, I, I had uh, Phantom of the Opera. That's not really a Halloween one. Okay. But it's are a you going to discredit your whole playlist? I'm what are we doing? Saying, what are we doing? I'm just saying if you're going to come after one song. Wow. I got fired for so, it. So, Rihanna, there's a big defender of yours in Auburn, Alabama, Brooks Childress. Just that song. <laughs> Just that okay. song being on a Halloween playlist. That's fine. That's okay. my defense for Rihanna. Coming up at hour number three, uh, we'll run out of time here for this hour. Talk some candy. We will talk some candy. <laughs> yeah. Talk a little sports, too. Is it really Halloween candy? <laughs> yeah. 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 What about it makes <laughs> yeah, Halloween? You eat it all year long. <laughs> I get, that is the question we're going to ask you guys. I'm going to ask coming up as we get a little more music from an aforementioned song. Here to end hour number two. I'm going to ask the question Is there a difference where you in favorite Halloween candy and just favorite generic candy, just regular candy? And it feels like by me differentiating, there is some difference. So, what is the difference? We'll talk, we'll deep dive on that coming up, hour number three. Stay tuned. More sports call on this Halloween Tuesday right after this. Two hours of Sports Call are finished. Don't touch that radio dial. We've got one more hour to go. Whether you're leaving work, cruising around town, or listening on demand, we've still got some fun left for you. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show has been on the air since 1995 and is ready for 60 more minutes of fun. Now, let's get this hour of Sports Call started. 
Third and final hour of Sports Call starting right now. Tiger 95.9, Ryan LaVoy, Brooks Childress, and Tom Peavy with you here on this Halloween Tuesday. Hope everyone has a very happy Halloween out there. Be safe. We're, and Absolutely be safe. We're going to get into some Halloween candy, although not literally, not about to eat it. Uh, we're about to talk about it in just a few minutes. We should have done a, a taste test. We should have. If this had been on a Wednesday, could have done a wacky Wednesday with it. Maybe we'll just do it anyway. I don't know. Not today, though. We will talk about it in just a few minutes, but let's get one more, at least one more sports item um, talked about before then in case that's how we, how we close things out. First college football playoff rankings are tonight. Uh, first, well, not really first day of November because that's tomorrow, but as we're turning the calendar into November, first college football playoff rankings, we can stop using the AP poll and start using how the committee ranks it all. Obviously, there's no real implications for Auburn, but I think there are some interesting things to look at. There's many that believe Georgia will not be number one tonight, uh, that it could be Michigan. Um, I, I've seen I, I've seen Georgia as low as three or four in some projections, so I think we should just start there. Uh do you have a reason not to have Georgia number one? I think Ohio State's been given love. Florida State's been given love. Uh, one projection actually had Mich- Michigan down at four or five. Oh, wow. Uh, because of the schedule they yeah, played. Yeah, true. Haven't played anybody. So, I mean, does that matter to you? Do you think the – do you think Georgia – I guess you can lump them both in. Do you think Georgia and Michigan should be downgraded because of who they played so far? Or do you believe they have passed the eye test enough to still warrant one and two, despite the the, the huge resume to date? I, I think I, I'm one of the eye test people. I think they've done the eye test enough that, I mean, they they've played who they've played. I mean, that's it's it's out of their control. The teams that they that are on their schedule, how good or how bad they are. I mean, they don't set that schedule. So, uh, I they've they've passed the eye test. I mean, I I think. They're those two along with Ohio State have shown they're the best teams in the country, and I'll throw Texas in there as well. I think if when it comes to Georgia, if this poll had been released a couple weeks ago or a few weeks ago, I don't know if I if, if you know I would have an argument against them not being number one. I think what after what they did these last couple games, the specifically the Kentucky game and the Florida game. Uh, just coming out and dominating some, uh, you know, being more dominant. I think that that's going to, uh, you know, look the the voters, the the committee that sits down and puts the schedule together is going to give that a little more credence. I would not be shocked if Ohio State's number one um, because they've beaten an Notre Dame, a ranked Notre Dame team. They've beaten a, a a top ten Penn State team at their place, and that Notre Dame game was a road game too. So I would not be shocked if no if Ohio State is number one just because of their um, just because of some of their resume there. But you know, some people have you know Georgia three or four. I don't know. I think Georgia they they still get credit for playing in the SEC and being you know the defending national champion. I think they probably end up around two. Michigan probably I think would end up around three or four because of their schedule. Uh, Michigan's schedule picks up here down the stretch, though, so it gives you a little bit of a chance to uh, gives them a little bit of a chance to 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 work your way into that. Um, Washington's a team that's probably going to be up up in those top uh, top four, top five there. 
Texas uh, as well. I think Oklahoma would have been up there had they not lost to Kansas last week. Uh, and I still think, I'll tell you what, I, I think that Penn State's got a chance to be up there too. Is got a chance, not necessarily in the top four, but maybe at a, at a six because they've still won all their games. The only game they lost was to an Ohio State. And if you have Ohio State as the number one team, um, then it's, it, you know, you, you've got a chance for, uh, th- that looks really good on your resume that you only lost on the road at the number, at the supposed number one team. You know, I, I, I have trouble with it too because there is a clear difference at this point in resume and in what's occurred with via the eye test because I think that Georgia, I have a hard time saying Georgia or Michigan is not the best team in the country right now. However, you have to acknowledge the fact that Michigan in particular has played absolutely nothing. I mean, I think the best team – I'm not kidding. I think the best team they played is Rutgers thus far. I, I mean, I and, and Rutgers right. is like 5-2 and two or something, 5-3. and three. They're going to go to a bowl game. Great. But if you say the name Rutgers and they're not ranked and anything like that, and that's your best win, then you, you got nothing on the resume so far. You, you just don't. For Georgia – you know their best team that they've played thus far. Uh, yeah. I mean it's kind of the same deal. I, I don't know if it would be Kentucky. I don't know. Uh, trying to I'm trying to go through the whole schedule so far in my mind of what what's happened so far. You know Kentucky or or I mean again I hesitate with Florida. It, it's just not. Uh, it's not been there this year. Now obviously Auburn has been down. Um, South Carolina was not what we thought they would be. South Carolina has not had a good season at all. We could get into hot seat debates with Shane Beamer and how close his time might be to running out. I mean, it it is, they've, they've had some teams that had some level of expectation. Kentucky was ranked when they played. So again, I would go that with the with the top thing on the resume. But again, I will say the same thing. This is football, not basketball. If your best thing is Kentucky in Athens, a piece of paper is going to tell you you don't have much so far. But the way they have played the games they've needed to play, mainly the Kentucky and Florida games, which was last week, they've been decisive when they've when they've wanted to be. Um, we the thing about Georgia is if they are not first or second night. They will be able to prove it really quick because they do have Missouri coming up. That one is in Athens. I think earlier this week we might have made a mistake since so it was Columbia. It's it's in Athens. Then they have Ole Miss, and then they have at Tennessee. I mean, there's going to be three ranked teams unless Tennessee has something weird happen between now and then. And, and that's going to be something strong to put on the resume. For Michigan, they, they too, they will have a couple, uh, you know, the Ohio State game, obviously, for sure. But then I believe they've got Penn State as well. November the 11th, they're yeah. at Penn State. So that's uh, that's two weeks. And then they're at Maryland yeah. on the 18th. Don't care. Oh, I know, but I'm just saying. don't. I mean, Maryland lost to uh, uh, Northwestern last week. Don't care. Maryland's mm-hmm. not good. So I, I think that it's a two-game season for Michigan, but really it was a two-game season, three-game season for Ohio State. They played two of the three so far, and that's the difference, is they're, they have that one non-conference game in Notre Dame, whereas they'll both have Penn State and they'll play each other. But that, that Notre Dame game gives some meaning, but the good news is they play each other, like I said. So 
don't really see the need to get too bent out of shape about it. Again, if you're going paper, you go Ohio State. If you're going I, you probably go Michigan. But also you, you get into, well, how much did it matter that Michigan has not played anybody and Ohio State played a couple good teams? Well, I do think that they have not convincingly beat some teams the way Michigan convincingly beat teams if you were going there. But, again, the good news is they play, so you don't have to stress an over uh, bit amount about it. Uh, there's also Florida State in there. Florida State's going to be interesting. I, I would say this about Florida State. They are really banking on LSU. They are really banking on LSU to beat Alabama this weekend and to make that look as good as possible because that win will continue to look awesome if LSU can continue to win. Because LSU was a little danger there after they lost to Ole Miss and having a bad season. They've ride the ship. But, you know, they're after LSU, their second best win so far is probably Duke. They did struggle in that game. They ultimately had a big fourth quarter. Duke had then since got shut out by Louisville. So, again, and you can do this up and down the line. I prefer to look at it when teams play them because that's a better representation of that time, especially if it's not the first game or two of the season. Duke had earned a place in the top 25 as of when they played Florida State. They have now earned not being in the top 25. That's just how it goes as the season progresses. So Florida State's got some stuff on there, but again, it's not like, oh, look at the six top 25 wins out of nine games they've got. They've got a couple. They've got that LSU game, which could continue to look really good. And then they've got Duke so far because Clemson was a bust this year. Uh, Clemson's not particularly good. And they are 4-4, four and four, and they're not going to end up ranked, so that's not going to end up looking like a great win. They got Miami in a couple weeks. Maybe Miami will, will backdoor top 25 by two weekends from now. I don't know. We'll see if they're ranked in the, in the top 25 in the, in the playoff rankings because obviously AP and playoff rankings can differ, but they're not ranked in the AP top 25. And then Florida won't be ranked. So, again, I, I say all that to say – Ultimately, Florida State will probably only play two, maybe three ranked opponents this year. So it's not like it it either is just this unbelievable smorgasbord of competition. So I say all that to say, at this point in the year, yes, there are some inequities in who's played who. Some teams have already played their tougher games. When we finish this off, all of them are going to play about three top 25 teams. Ohio State and Michigan will. Georgia will because of their stretch coming up. Missouri, Ole Miss, Tennessee. They're all going to end up, and again, like I said, Florida State's only played two to date. So they're all going to end up around the same in terms of top 25 opponents played. So I don't think we have to stress about that too much. I would prefer to just kind of be convicted by, yeah, you know what, I do feel Georgia's the best team right now. Or, yeah, be convicted that, yeah, I do think Michigan's the best team, even though they still signed. Uh, <laughs> looks, it looks like Texas, at least what I'm looking at that Cole Kublik posted, I guess Texas has the best uh, overall opponent record. Uh-huh. So Texas, They do have the loss, though, so I can't put them above true. a couple of those teams. But their, their overall opponent record is 40-24. and 24. But they're in a great place, and, and the reason they're in a great place is because they only need one outcome to happen, I, I feel. And... and that that could be a, that could be interesting. Let me let me let me back up. Texas versus Oregon is actually a really important conversation, and the reason for that is 
let's assume health for the leaders in the in the Big Ten ACC and the SEC. Assume Georgia wins it. Assume Michigan Ohio State doesn't matter. Assume an undefeated Big Ten team, and assume Florida State remains undefeated. Those teams are in. So there's one spot, and that one spot is either Texas, Oklahoma, or out west, Washington or Oregon. Again, under this scenario. And I say, what about Alabama? Well, again, I'm assuming Georgia wins the title and undefeated because I'm trying to simplify scenarios for now. So you've got one spot, and you've got two teams from those conferences. Now, Oklahoma's fourth now. That was a that I know Kansas is fun. It's a great story. Good for the Jayhawks. I was rooting for the upset, but that was really brutal for Oklahoma's playoff championship hopes. It was really brutal. Um, they are they now need to win everything and get the help that I'm about to talk about. The reason Texas versus Oregon is important is because Washington versus Texas. I think Washington's going to win out. Pac-12s had plenty of top twenty-five teams. The further west you go, it feels like the more top 25 teams there's been this year. Washington's going to be fine if they go undefeated. If they don't, and Oregon wins the Pac-12 with one loss, that's where I'm saying one loss Texas versus one loss Oregon, choose your fighter. Because you're going to either be talking about a Texas team that went into Tuscaloosa and won, lost a, a very close game to Oklahoma the first time around, a last-minute loss. Let's say for the sake of this argument, they beat a one-loss Oklahoma and beat 12 to avenge that loss. So they're avenging their loss. Well, guess what? Oregon, if they beat an undefeated Washington or even a one-loss Washington Pac-12 title game, they're avenging their loss in a road environment that they led in the second half, well into the fourth quarter, to the last minute. See what I'm saying? It's a pretty similar loss. And it's a pretty similar dynamic. I was going to say, you know, both of those losses get avenged in a neutral spot too, yep. and so it wouldn't even be where you're you're looking at it where it's like, oh well, now Oregon won it at home, so you know they, it, but no, it, they're both in the in neutral spots, and so I, I don't think enough people are talking about that. That that's what I'm saying. I think that it, seeing if Texas or Oregon is ranked higher, I think that is incredibly relevant. I'll be honest. You know, you look at uh, you know Oregon. What Oregon's football? Oregon's or obviously Oregon's football schedule. Uh, but you you look at their they would have one loss in this scenario. Do you? It would really be. Do you value the road win at Alabama or the road win at Texas Tech more? Because those are your two Power Five road wins. And you would think for all the world you value yeah. Alabama more. Yeah. But right now in the AP poll. Oregon is ahead of is uh, is ahead of Texas. It's Oregon six, Texas seven, Alabama eight in the AP poll for what it's worth. So do they flip that tonight? Because as you just said a couple minutes ago, Tom, Texas has according to Cole Kubelik the best win loss opponent record. Now, again, you look at the Big Twelve, and the problem is I can't say it's this awesome slate of teams. There's three ranked teams. Well, I guess there's four now because. Uh, Kansas and Kansas State snuck in there. That's very volatile, though. We'll see if it lasts. Texas gets to play Kansas State this week, which or or has to, depending on your point of view, because they are at home, and now it's a top 25 team, but they don't have Quinn Ewers. Mm-hmm. So they might lose and mess this scenario up. 
and also you look and, and this will also depend on how you look down the stretch here at, at teams that are ranked like you said Kansas State is currently ranked in the AP poll will they be ranked in the in the playoff poll that's going to be maybe. the question yeah, maybe not they don't you know the rest of the way down TCU Iowa State Texas Tech teams that are not going to be ranked in that playoff poll Oregon you've got Cal this weekend nope then you've got a USC team who should be ranked chance to be ranked in the playoff poll they're number 24 in the AP well I said should be I could be at that. Arizona State, no, no, absolutely and then not. Oregon State, they which is a ranked. ranked team. Yeah, they will be ranked. So you, so when you look down the stretch, at least in the AP poll right now, Texas only has one more ranked game to go. Oregon's got two, and Oregon won on the road at number eighteen Utah in very convincing fashion this past week too. Does what you got in front of you? Does it have Oregon when they played those teams? What what they were ranked? No, what's it's, already it's, happened? It's no. just uh, they're ranked six. Every, all of this is six right now. It does not have a ranking next okay. to Colorado, which we know they were ranked when Oregon played them. Because so because okay for Texas, obviously Alabama was third. Yeah, when Texas beat them, Kansas was ranked, so they would get the benefit either mm-hmm. now or then. Kansas was ranked when they played them, and they're ranked now, assuming they get in the top twenty-five in the in the playoff. And then Texas was ranked, and that's it. So they had, or excuse me, Oklahoma was ranked, and that's it. So that's three ranked games, or two to one of those ranked games. Oregon, read me again. It was they Colorado was ranked yep. at that time. So that's one and zero. Oh. Okay, they would have they lost to Washington. Yep, one and one. Uh, then they beat Utah. Two and one. So again, they played both played three. Yep. So we're pretty even on this stuff. The the out west teams have like one extra game of top twenty five stuff than the teams over here, SEC country, and then with Big Ten teams. There's like one extra top 25 game, maybe two by the end of the season for those Big 12 and Pac-12 teams. In the Big 12 teams, it's not necessarily all Big 12, although, again, the two Kansas schools being ranked, one of them is kind of uh, kind of supposed to happen. One of them is an absolute shock. If those maintain, that will give them that added bonus. But obviously, Texas's added bonus is playing, uh, playing Alabama and, and getting – about as good of a non-conference win as you can have when you factor in the road element of it. So, again, Texas-Oregon's fascinating debate. And you get into who feels better. Again, I, I think you'd have great debate. But I think that is the underlying focus of what I'm looking at tonight. And because the, the top three or four will bicker over it. We'll always will. But they'll play that out. If Ohio State jumps Michigan, they're going to play it out. We'll figure it out. If if Georgia is below one or two of those teams, they're about to play three ranked teams in a row. They they can get it back. Um, that that stuff will will be figured out. So I'm not too worried about that. I I just think that if and it's always dangerous because we're still four or five weeks out. It's really dangerous with one week left, and it's incredibly dangerous with five weeks left. But. If it goes somewhat status quo and you don't have earth-shattering things happen, Texas and Oregon, that might be the debate. If Oregon can pull off the, the return favor against Washington, if Texas can do the same with Oklahoma. And I don't know, you may have mentioned this earlier, but you know, 2022, the first coaches poll, or the first playoff poll ranking, Georgia went number one. Yeah. They were number three. Tennessee was number one. Ohio State was two. Georgia was three. Clemson was four. That was your top four. The first poll that was released last year from the yeah, playoff. Clemson didn't go. and Tennessee uh, didn't Tennessee go. Tennessee didn't go. And Georgia, Georgia and Ohio State was the real title game. And <laughs> Yeah, TCU was ranked yeah. seventh in that one. Yeah. So if you're looking at a, a team, you know, outside the play, outside that top four, 
look around that mid to mid you know six seven eight range so watch that one of those teams there maybe texas gets ranked there and that's where they move up exciting stuff i am excited for the playoff poll release tonight we'll probably break some or break down some of it tomorrow again we'll see if there's anything earth shattering but again still plenty of time for these teams all in the top seven or eight spots to still gain ground and ultimately get into that top four we're going to take our next time out of the show when we come back we will honor the holiday a little bit that we're on right now we'll change things up with some halloween candy that's coming up next Looking for another way to listen to our show? Be sure to download the Tiger Communications app and listen to Sports Call wherever you go. Want more Sports Call? Check us out online at sportscallauburn.com. Welcome back to Sports Call, Tiger 95.9. Ryan LaVoy, Brooks Childress, and uh, Tom Peavy. Yes. On the show here on this Halloween Tuesday. Can I just say? Go for it. We've had the Halloween series on. Yes, we have. I'm not a scary movie person, all right? Uh-huh. The Halloween series, I've, I've, this is going to get, this may get some backlash. I've never sat down and watched them all. So this is the first time I've kind of experienced some of them. I've never watched all of them. Either. I'm not. I'm. Th- I'm not like it's. There's some stuff in there that I'm just like very much cringing, uh-huh. and it's like it gives me a weird feeling in my gut. I also, prior to this month, never sat down and watched the Nightmare. Uh, the the is it Na- Nightmare on Elm Street? Nightmare yeah. on Elm Street mm-hmm. series with Freddy, Freddy Krueger. I like that one extremely more than this one because Freddy Krueger has some fun lo- one-liners before he kills people. <laughs> And it makes it a little bit more, not more ingestible. Palatable. Yeah. yeah. This is the the Halloween series is just full on cringe. Like you're just you're you're sitting there like no, don't go in there. It don't go in there. The Halloween series are the stereotypical horror flick that people make fun of. You don't 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 they make fun of Michael. Cautiously. I mean, they could be good or bad. I mean, it's depend. I mean, people like it, but I mean, when people spoof. Horror movies—they're spoofing Halloween, basically. So don't don't make fun of and, Michael and the ones similar. Right? No, I understand. Poor decisions were made, and some of the later ones—they the movie quality goes down. Like the original joke, Halloween, though, is what why the right. genre exists. But, but but you know, we we joked off air the the commercial. I forget what the commercial is where the the stupid teenagers are right. like high. You know, yeah. I think it's a Geico commercial. Geico, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think it was not a sponsor. <clears throat> yeah, let's hide behind the chainsaws. Why can't we just get in a Why running can't car? Why can't we just get in a running car? Yeah. That Friday the 13th, that's another spoofer. Right. right. So. 
but, but I'm a horror fan, I mean, and I love all these movies dearly. So far through the the Halloween, there hasn't been like a jump scare moment. It's just it. It's just you're stressed the entire time. Well, you keep thinking a jump scare is about to happen, and then it doesn't. And you're like, okay, right? Well, yeah, yeah, yep. I'm just stressed. I've been stressed the entire time we've been watching these. Need Except for when uh, Busta Rhymes was in there, then that wasn't stressful. That was. Yeah, well, yeah, because that movie was awful. <laughs> Halloween Resurrection. <laughs> that's why they they stopped the franchise for a while, and that's why in 2017 when it came back. That's why they disregarded every single sequel. Because <laughs> uh, they, they made mistakes after the first one or two. Anyway. Speaking it, of awful, there are some awful Halloween candies out there. Wow. <laughs> okay. I, I was going to go with the positive Halloween candy. Okay. Well, let's, I will let's open it up. Halloween candy discussion. I, I will say that they, the worst Halloween candy. I don't even know if they still make it. I'm assuming they do. But the little individually wrapped aren't it's all Circus it is peanuts. No, 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 no. It's like a peanut butter something or another chewy peanut butter thing. There's like some are wrapped in orange wrappers and some are wrapped in black wrappers. Oh, I know what you're talking about. They're it's the like very nondescript. It, it's just it's like candy. peanut butter taffy. Yeah. Kinda. That is that is like the like the Halloween candy. You never see that. Any other time, I I'm not even thinking of what you're talking about, honestly. I, I know don't, exactly. What I it is. don't even know who makes it. I just know that is like that is the Halloween candy because, like I said, I don't think that is out any other time unless it's disguised as something else in other times, not Halloween. But on Halloween, peanut you, butter kisses is what they're called. Peanut okay, butter kisses. Yeah, peanut butter kisses. Sounds but, like something I would like, but it doesn't. You do you not? What what what's bad? I just please explain it to me. I don't uh, they're know. just it's just they're. I I mean I don't know that they. Uh, I don't know that they necessarily taste bad. They just they're not really good. They're not bad. They're not good. But they're huh. just a very nondescript candy wrapped in orange and black wrappers. It looks like it would be pretty good, but I, mm. I believe you. I mean, to me that is Halloween candy because, like I said, it's orange and black wrappers. Uh-huh. Yeah. Those are not around any other time of the entire season. It's made so, with real peanut butter. Yeah, well, well, good for it. So anyway, but but you're but you're, that, you're not really a big fan of it. No, nah. okay. and and, and usually that ranks as one of the worst Halloween candies. Like out of worst candy rankings of holidays, that okay. that particular thing is usually number one on the list of worst Halloween candies. But you like candy corn. I do like candy corn. And see, and to me. I could get Halloween with that. That's more fall to me, not just, just any fall. I was going to say, yeah, just fall. Do you prefer just the straight up candy corn bags, or do you like the fall mix that's got like little pumpkins? I like the fall mix okay. with little pumpkins. But see, here's the other thing though. When you, I guess this is my other thing. When it's quote unquote Halloween candy, is it stuff that you can give out to trick or treaters? That that they do have some individually wrapped candy corns, but typically. You just have a bag of candy corn. You put them in a candy dish and you eat them as you go. That's not something you give out to the kids as they come by. That's fair. So, yeah, it, it Halloween, yeah, but it's more fall. It like those usually come out, and that's like when the when the fall well, it's called fall mix. <laughs> it, yeah, it's not called Halloween mix. It's called fall. The real mix. question is the day after Halloween, does it go on sale or not? And that's where you know it's probably. Halloween candy. Well, probably. <laughs> you know, that reminds me we had a wacky Wednesday 
trying uh, candy corn flavors. Oh, I remember that. We've done jelly beans. We've done candy corn flavors. The fruit punch was good. The ice cream was I, some good. of that was good, man. But the hamburger hot dog. I, yeah. I don't. Under, I don't understand the hate over candy corn. I think it's good. It, it tastes like honey. It's like honey flavored candy to me. Yeah. Maybe it's yeah. a consistency for f- some folks. I don't know, but I don't understand. I don't. I don't get the hate for candy corn. I, I think it's delicious. I'm fine with it. I think it's the popular yeah. thing to do. Yeah, I think yeah. it's just, oh, yeah, we all hate candy corn. Like, not everybody hates Nickelback, all right? There's some people <laughs> out there, y'all, y'all are lying to yourselves. You don't hate Nickelback. Or Creed. Or or Crocs. You like oh. you wear Crocs, and you're just, you know, you're, oh, Crocs are stupid. No, you've got a pair at home. You know it. You know it. Uh, Brooks, give me, I, I feel like you like, okay, do not take this the wrong way. Oh, I like wow. it, too. Wow. I feel like you like a lot of Halloween candy. Yeah. Give me. Do you have one you feel negative about? You think's overrated? Feel negative about. Um, gosh, I don't know. I don't know if there's one that I have like neg- like I see it. And I just have negative feelings toward. Um, but if you you know if if you're just not trying very hard, if you're giving me peppermints on Halloween, yeah. just go go oh, away. Yeah. Like I don't know what's worse. You get the, like the 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 can't the house that gives like toothbrush or the house that gives you peppermints. I don't know which is worse. <laughs> Oh, because like at least yeah, I can make the, the the usefulness out of the toothbrush, you know. Be happy and healthy. Yeah. Here's a toothbrush, jeez. Yeah, like it's not uh, great, but like if you give me a peppermint, I'm like I can get these at Sonic with my order. Like, what are we doing? Huh. What are we doing? So, cinnamon candy. I'm not a big cinnamon candy yeah, person. Yeah, I'm not me either. Because it's not like the cinnamon sugar you get with uh on like cinnamon rolls. It's just like the big red gum type of cinnamon uh-huh. flavor. Not great. Okay. Not. I would. I'm. That's. The, I guess that's the one. I, is cinnamon flavored candy. I'm not a big fan of. All right. So that leads me to the question I told you guys about really early in the show. Is there a difference to you between your favorite Halloween candy versus your favorite candy, like or just at all? Is there a difference in Halloween candy and candy? Um. Y- yes. It's kind of a yes and. It's kind of a yes and no, but I, I'm going to say more yes. Fun wrappers. Well, so, all right, well, so here's your prime example. Uh, my favorite types of candy are sour candies. Like, I love Wonka-type candies. I love sweet tarts and nerds and gobstoppers. I mean, I love those. I can eat those anytime, and that's fine. However, when you get the Wonka mix... That has the little the little boxes of the nerds and it has the little things of the sweet tarts, and it's got the Halloween stuff on the front. That's day. I mean, it doesn't taste any different, but it gives you more of that to me gives more of that Halloween flavor. I also I love Smarties. There's something different about Smarties around Halloween than when you just get them any other time. They they taste the same. I get it. It's the fun wrappers, but there but you. there's well there's the nostalgia of reaching into your your jack-o'-lantern thing and your candy and you get those little rolls of smarties and there's the nostalgia the smell of the smarties and mixed with all the other candy and i mean it it's the same thing i could say with we mentioned the tootsie pops there's something nostalgic about that and kind of the smells that go along with all the candy and tootsie pops are part of that you can get them any other time of the year and they're great. That's fine. But they just something nostalgic about that on Halloween makes that to me good Halloween candy. I think there's I think there's a difference, and I don't know what it is, but 
it's like I love the Three Musketeers. All right, but if I get a whole, if I get a whole, yes, if I get a whole candy bar of Three Musketeers, by the time I'm done eating the whole bar. And you know, everybody kind of has an idea in their head what a what a yeah. how big a normal three musketeers bar. I'm like, that was good, but I don't think I could eat another one. If you put down a bag of like the mini three musketeers in front of me, I could probably put down a, a few bars worth, like a few a few whole bars worth. Right. And I don't know what it, it it's like the little ones. You just you you I can eat a little bit more right. of them. Well, so there. Obviously, you know, there's the whole psychological thing of, of nostalgia and, and the way you view candies and stuff like that. But here's you another prime example as far as I go. You mentioned the little Three Musketeers bars. I think about the little Hershey's mix. So you get the little tiny, there's like a plain Hershey's, a dark Hershey's, a Mr. Good bar, and a... A, a crackle. Crackle, yeah. yeah. All right. And you get the little tiny bars. And you get those. They sell those for Halloween. You can find those and people drop those in. Great. For me, that has always been a Christmas thing. Mm. That that has always been part of the Christmas uh, ambiance and the Christmas nostalgia of the candy bowl with those little tiny candy bars in it around Christmas time. That's never been a Halloween thing for me. But for other people, that may be their Halloween go-to. To me, that's Christmas, um, just because that's how it always was. You know, for us, Halloween, it was always like I said, the Wonka mix, like the you know the great big huge bag of the varying Wonka styles that you would give out and stuff like that. So that's my favorite. Uh, I love it. To get the, give me a bag full of little boxes of the Nerds and the Gobstoppers and Sweet Tarts and man, we. Uh, me and a buddy of mine, we were going to a, we were going from Columbus to Athens to a Georgia game back in my Georgia days, and I think between me and him, I, I guess I was probably early in high school, but we ate almost an entire bag of that stuff on the way up to Athens. And man, you want to talk about bouncing off the walls, <laughs> bouncing off the walls of the minivan, heading to Athens, Georgia. I think we probably ran my mother crazy that night. So, do you have a? A feeling towards if it's if there's a difference, Brooks. Yeah, I mean, I, I you feel I, the difference. You feel I feel difference? like I feel the difference. I feel like I feel the difference. Um, it's just, and I again, it's it's kind of weird, but it, it I you know I kind of joked uh, meant joke and then like said it, but I, I think it's the fun packaging. You get, you get the little yeah. little mini fun packages and and you you know you you see them around Halloween and you you kind of want to buy more. Like I've. I'll be honest. I've gone through uh, since they put the Halloween candy on sale. I've I've gone through three different bags of Halloween candy. Uh, Darn. Yeah. Not me myself. Let me uh, let me just say that it's, well, it wasn't uh, just me. All right. But um, it three bags of Halloween candy have gone into into the apartment, and they've all left. And none have entered. Yeah. None but they've all been empty. Um, the wrappers have all have all departed, and so uh, it's uh yeah, and I think it's the fun little the fun little wrappers yeah. on there. I'll tell you what. I don't know if y'all experienced this uh, growing up. Did y'all go to this like the same house as trick or treating every single year? Uh, no. I, my trick or treating there were some there were a couple times that I went into some neighborhoods, but mm. uh, we were uh, over in Columbus. We were kind of that family that we went to the mall. Oh, okay. And you know, Peachtree Mall in Columbus was huge, mm. and I mean. You're talking about loading up on candy. You go from around that entire mall to every store, and, I mean, you'd be loaded up. 
and that's what we did now i did trick-or-treat some around neighborhoods and all like that but i mean growing up as a kid mm-hmm. it, you know we'd we'd go to the mall and do the big kind of like they're doing downtown auburn the the trunk uh, or tree yeah the around the, all the businesses and everything yeah. they do around that's what that was kind of our thing is we would always go to peachtree mall and you basically just walk all around the entire mall every single store and get candy I, I really didn't trick or treat much. Oh well, yeah. I, we would always go to the same people's houses because it was all we where we lived. You had to drive. You weren't in. We weren't in like in the neighborhood. We had to drive right. around to people. So we all drive to different family members' house, and everybody bought the same candy every single year. So I knew what was coming every single stop, hmm. and so I knew like, all right, this Aunt, Aunt Grace, you're gonna get. I'm gonna get some. I'm gonna get some juju fruit. I'm gonna get some <laughs> dots, uh, and there's a couple. I'm gonna go to Uncle Dean's. I'm gonna get some milk duds. I'm going to get some uh Milk Duds feels whoppers. like something that's almost like a, a more of a Christmas candy. I don't know. Yeah. yeah. My, I, I would never get the Milk way. Duds because mom would always take them. That's the you, Your parents always had one candy that they would, you know, slip out of your your th- your, uh, your your bucket, and the Milk Duds was my my mom. And kind of Whoppers, too. Whoppers would, would disappear out the, of there. Yeah, the little boxes of Whoppers. Yeah. Uh, see, the, to me, and like the – Milk duds, milk duds and whoppers don't even to me. That's those that don't necessarily have a season. Uh, I think of, I think of those as like movie theater candy. Hmm. Okay. You know, I don't, I don't. You, I, I, my go to is usually peanut M and M's in the yeah. movie theater, but I, I do notice some other stuff. I, yeah, I, I guess to answer my own question. I do think that inherently there is some difference, and I think it's about the portion size that people prefer. And I know that's probably – I'm probably going to get into way too of a nerdy answer <laughs> here. But, you know, more times of the year, you might be more willing to eat the full bar of something or when you're purchasing something. Yeah, maybe you get a variety pack or something, but I don't know. You get it at a convenience store, you get it wherever, and you might get the full serving of something. You might get the, the full-size Reese cups or whatever. Right. But – Around Halloween, you're more. It's more about the oh, I can get this packet with Twix and Crunch and Milky yeah. Way and whatever you know, and I can get you know if you're have all the sweet you know or tart type of things together. And I feel like so it's more about the variety and that coming in smaller doses around Halloween. Just yeah. the way it's packaged and presented is different. So I don't necessarily think of one or specific thing, I guess. And also that comes from me not trick or treating much when I grew up. But it's more about the presentation of everything yeah. more than it is. Oh, I only eat this kind of candy then, and I don't eat it any time of year. No, like I, you give me a Reese's of any kind or a Snickers, Twix, anything chocolatey, I'm gonna eat it. Yeah. Promise if it's October or January or or March, it doesn't matter. <laughs> Here, here's here's a <clears throat> here's a question to think about. Um, other holidays that are candy holidays have mm-hmm. very specific things that are sent around. So like yeah. Easter jelly beans, <clears throat> excuse me, jelly beans and peeps. Yeah. That's yeah. Easter screams Easter candy canes of all sorts of different things. And I would even say the cordial cherries. Oh gosh. Christmas. I mean, that just screams Christmas outside of those little orange and black wrapped peanut butter things that we mm-hmm. started this conversation with. Is there another candy that is just candy corn? Halloween candy corn, and that's what I was wondering. Maybe candy corn is going against what I was saying earlier. Is it's more of just a fall thing? Maybe candy corn is related as that is 
the quintessential Halloween candy, yeah. even though that's not one that you really give out to trick-or-treaters unless it's those happens to be like the little clear individual packs of like four or five yeah. pieces of candy corn in it. Typically, that's just something that's in the candy dish that you get when you're at home, mm. not in your basket. It's not really candy, but popcorn balls. I've got, I, I, used, I used to get some popcorn balls. I never really associated hmm. that with any other holiday because they'd always yeah. been like the little Halloween wrappers. No comment. I don't know. I, yeah. again, I, and I'm probably not the best person to ask. That's why I was asking others because I'm trying to think if there's anything else. It's like screams Halloween, you know, again, just the presentation for me. Like uh, yeah. That's the when thing. You, when you I think change the I, Reese's into <clears throat> a pumpkin, pumpkin. You know, I like, think when it, I think. I honestly, yeah, I honestly think the quintessential Halloween thing are the big bags of the little, yep. multi- of the things that you right. can put into variety a trick or treat basket, mm-hmm. a variety pack. Yeah, I think that's more the quintessential Halloween because you really, you don't see that a lot. You kind of see that a little bit with Easter, a little bit, but you know, it's not, it's, it's not the peeps and it's not the bag of jelly beans. It's the variety packs. Mm-hmm christmas it's the candy canes it's the chocolates it's you know those things that are quintessential christmas and that's why i think it has become quintessential halloween of the variety pack the small individual servings that you can drop into somebody's bucket yeah candy apple that's not really a candy but so here here's the thing that was like the all right so back in back in the 80s and it's so weird. We live in we live in such more dangerous times now than in the eighties because that's one of the things that we always people my age are like, man, you know, back in the eighties, we used to just we used to stay out all night, drive all leave over, be all over, the, leave the doors unlocked, be all over the neighborhood, riding bikes from sun from sun up to sundown, and never care in the world and all this kind of stuff. However. Back then in Halloween, it was like the huge running rumor thing that don't get candied apples from you because they're putting razor blades in them. And, you know, (laughs) your parents have to check your candy because they're putting razor blades and needles in the candy. And I mean, that that was like the legit fear back then. So if you went to a house that they had candied apples, your parents were usually like, you're not eating that. They might be putting razor blades in there. (laughs) So. There were no candy apples eaten on our side, unless my mom uh, specifically made them. We weren't eating candy apples that came from anybody else's house because there was the true fear that they might actually be putting razor blades in them. Mm. Brooks, don't have time. We're about out of time here. Just give me real quick one or two things from Nightly TV Guy presented by White Claw Hearts. Why, uh, the wild, wild card, the World Series there Game is that 4 thing, is on tonight. You got some NBA action on tonight. You got some NHL action on tonight. Maction is back tonight. Two midweek Maction games tonight. Buffalo visits Toledo, and then Northern Illinois visits Central Michigan. And that is your Nightly TV Guy brought to our friends at White Claw Hearts. I saw, nope, go ahead. I saw it snowing at one of those games, yeah, too. Yeah, flurries. Yep. Toledo. Excellent. Uh, and that, again, is the Nightly TV Guy presented by White Claw Hard Seltzer. And that will do it for the show day. I enjoyed the little bit different conversation there uh, with the candy stuff at the end. Tom Peavy, thank you for being here today. We'll see you again tomorrow. I will be here. And Brooks Childress, we'll see you again on Thursday. And we'll hear you out at the High School Coaches Show tomorrow. That's right. That will do it for the show today. We want to thank Justin Ferguson of the Auburn Observer for joining us. And as always, we appreciate all those that tuned in and called in. For Tom Peavy and Brooks Childers, my name is Ryan LaVoy. Have a happy Halloween, 
and we'll talk to you again tomorrow.